Well, it's another podcast. Don't be picking it out. Yeah, it's another podcast. Don't be picking it out. Got the one lane road, my old buddy Dustin Kennedy in the house. You don't know him, but you will after this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the most obscure uh, guest so far on the picking it out. Yeah, and we're gonna be picking it out. A little come and go blues there. I recognized it. I figured you would. I got to figure out a different way to do it. I don't have enough room to like reach around and put the guitar, but I don't have no work. I can't, I can't just do this cause that's why I scoot this mic back like this. Cause I know I got to put that guitar down and then I bring it in closer. I got to make a full fledged studio in there. No, I need to barely got enough room to turn around. <laughs> well, Hey y'all. Appreciate y'all tuning back in with us here again and uh really been having fun doing this and just you know, had as y'all know, I've had a lot of uh guests that personally I've known, uh, been lucky enough to get to know or work with or or you know, different different things like that. And I've had a few that I've never people I've never met. Um and that's kind of fun too. Oh, hey Gracie. Oh, you want to choose right now again, huh? She's been <laughs> doing this the whole time right before we went on here. Hopefully she'll hush here in a minute. Lay down. We got uh, my old buddy here from the uh One Lane Road podcast. It's a really cool podcast. Um that I've been on a few times and um him and his buddy Lucas host this this podcast. He's a big supporter of independent country guys like myself and um, the whole independent country scene. And he he spreads the word. He buys the merchandise, he, and he's just a good old boy. And he's also hosted a music festival. Well, he's he's put on a few shows, but he hosted a music festival uh or is hosting a music festival rather yeah man what's what's going on with uh how's how's things in alabama first off oh man they're cold really it got cold quick didn't it yeah it's like 48 degrees the other morning for some reason and it's i couldn't believe it i mean usually it's like november until we get any yeah. chilly mornings like that you know man it seems like it goes it goes from 100 degrees to, to 40 degrees real quick. We don't get much of a spring and a fall, you know. No, hell, we but, didn't have uh, much of a summer this year. We had too much rain. It never rains that much yeah. in the summer. I don't know what's going on. Um, but no, what you, so with, yeah, with the music festival, the North Springs Music Festival, it's a real creative title here in uh, North Springs, Tennessee. We're about, uh, about an hour and a half from Nashville, about two hours from Knoxville, out in the middle of nowhere, man. But, um, you know, you played last year. Um, weather conditions weren't great last year. Speaking of weather being crappy, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you had a good turnout, though. That was fun, man. Man, in a COVID year where nobody got to do anything and then just piss poor rain. I mean, you know, it's yeah. there. There was a I mean, yeah, I was happy with the turnout. There were several people that bought tickets that didn't didn't come. But overall, man, we had a good time out there in the field. You know, that's the only show I did all year. Yeah, and I, I'd say a lot of artists didn't do a lot of shows. I mean, especially with all that. I mean, it, was, it changed everybody's world. Yeah. Um, you know, and what's, you know, it was beautiful, man. Like the best October weather you could ever ask for for days ahead of that. And I'd went to a, I'd went to a music festival in Lynchburg where they have the Lynchburg Music Festival where they make the Jack Daniels. Oh, yeah. Uh, they have Jack Daniels. And I was laying in the hotel about a half hangover and uh, next morning and just happened to look at the seven day and it was just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Then it said Saturday, 95% chance of rain. <laughs> That's the son of a bitch. Yeah, it's typical. <laughs> typical. Anytime yeah. you want to put money into any festival or show, it always freaking rains. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've actually scheduled it. It's two weeks. It's October 23rd. And so I Googled the last two October 23rds, which you shouldn't do. You should just, you know, you should just wait and see what it's going to look like. But yeah. uh, me, me being in my head a little bit, I Googled it. So last year on October 23rd in good old Whitleyville, Tennessee, it was high of 80, low of 50, which is good weather. And I Googled the year before it, it was high of 50, low of 30. So I don't know what the hell we're going to get this year. <laughs> oh, it'll be good, man. And- you know, you've been promoting the hell out of it. Uh, I've seen it a bunch, and I went and checked it out, and it was like, man, you got Alex Williams playing. With, man, anybody that ain't heard him, yeah, he is phenomenal. I mean, his vo- I love his voice. Like Ward Davis, I told him that because his, his, I can tell who he is when he's singing. You know, he's yeah. got that distinctive voice. By God, Alex has got it too. We've been threatening to write together uh, for a couple of years now. I met him when I did a show at the Nashville Palace with Shooter Jennings and Jamie White. Yeah, I remember that show. Coulter Wall came and he was hanging out, him and his fiance, and Alex was there, and Dave Cobb come by. Um, didn't get to talk to Dave. He he slid out before we got done um it was a really cool experience but uh i have talked to alex a few times and man we threatened to write together and something always kept coming up and then covid and i don't really i do the zoom right thing i've done that a couple of times i don't i don't know man i just i miss like being the physical presence when you're writing with somebody yeah i miss that so we, I can't we imagine it would be it. easy. Yeah, nice. I, I would think it would be. I mean, I've never wrote a song in my life, but I mean, I can't imagine it'd be an easy thing to do over Zoom. You you just miss yeah. that energy, you know. Yeah, but we'll we'll get on him one of these days. But man, what a great! He's got a great band, and he puts on a great show too. You know, you look at him, and he's you know, we, if you just heard his voice, you'd think he'd be an older dude. You know, yeah. but he's like thirty. Yeah, he's just really a, like a throwback. And you know, I listen to him for. I think that album's about four years old and uh, better than myself. Mm-hmm. and it's it's i love it and you know it just came up and I, he's been on tour with jinx you know that's what i've been telling people it seemed like people are really sleeping on alex just because you know he's not yeah it, the worst the worst people the worst fans are people that say oh man country music's dead uh yeah well yeah if you listen to the radio it sucks and if you listen to you know cmt it sucks but 
it's not, you know, now it's easy. Just get on YouTube and you get on Pandora and type in your favorite artist. You're going to find new artists right. by doing that. And, you know, that's how I found Alex, which is probably Cody Jinx Pandora years ago or something, you know, like that. Uh, it's alive and well, man. All this independent music. When you can go be like Cody Jinx and be on an independent label, and I mean, that guy's making a hell of a living. He, he, he's, he's making a hell of a living, but he's also he's done something really significant for the whole the whole big picture really because he he's so big now that you would think like if you didn't know who he was you would think that he had 10 number one hits on the radio yeah um just from the places he's playing the bill the bills that's been put together like he's with travis tritt a couple of nights in austin i think um you know he's got the right team but man i mean you know he is he's doing a lot better than some of these record label uh yeah hickey madugers i won't say what i think about some of them but <laughs> I, I think <laughs> before you know war davis was i'll say my neighbor because i don't really have neighbors here where i live you know yeah. my, na- my closest neighbors like you know with binoculars across the creek but ward lived about 15 20 minutes down the road when he lived here in jackson county and he done a little show with the bull and thistle here in town and it's a little fancy restaurant um here in gainesboro and he was talking about cody and he's like you know cody jinx says that he's jealous of me because during covid cody couldn't play any ward ward said yeah so jinx is telling me he's jealous because i'm still getting to play little shows here and there he said now mind you cody jinx told me he was jealous of me while you standing in his fifty five hundred square foot house, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, yeah uh, Ward, Ward is. I love Ward, man, and yeah, he's and a good Natalie, dude. Natalie, uh, they're both really good people. Um, it it cracked me up when he lived here because I was probably one of the small percentages of people who knew Ward Davis yeah. in Jackson County before he became a Jackson County resident. You know, and everybody was like, "Oh, you know," and I just wanted to do business with him. I just wanted to, I just wanted to, wanted to host a show and get him on my podcast. I didn't care about how famous he was. I just thought we could do business together. Yeah, yeah, but he, yeah, uh, he's a funny dude, man. Just walking into my favorite little tavern there in Gainesville, there's Ward, and I walked in one day, and he's like, "I said, what's Ward?" I said, "Why is Ward so hyped up?" And they said, "Yeah, he's pretty. He's he's on cloud nine, James Taylor, to start following him on Instagram." <laughs> <laughs> and he was actually calling Cody that day, you know, and bragging about um, James Taylor following him on Instagram. It's pretty funny. He loves James Taylor, man, like like more than he probably should. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, that last that last album of his is so good. I mean, he he's so damn good, man. Word word is. Another one I feel like people kind of sleep on. I mean, I know he's he's making a living, you know, uh, touring, and he's got a good team also. Uh, been at it a yeah. long time, you know. I had him on this show here, and uh, yeah. we uh, it was during COVID, you know, when all that was going on. So he he was still doing a few shows, but not a ton, I think. I, I love it when he gets on Facebook and, uh, you know, Cody will put something like, you know, got a new album dropping in world. So I know three songs are good because I wrote them. Yeah. He, he sense of humor, man. He's, yeah, he's, he's a funny dude. It is. And that's, it's cool that they're promoting each other like that. Right. You know, Cody seems to be a, a champion for 
a lot of his friends and things like that that he other artists that are not quite you know up here where he's at but man he'll share the shit out of whatever and he promotes them just as much as he does himself if not more you know right. a think, lot of talented guys i think that's cool too uh that he does that i've never met jinx but um we got a lot of mutual buddies and we just never come across each other at a show or nothing like that yet but i'm sure it'll happen eventually but i am a fan and i like whitey morgan uh, yeah i like morty i like whitey uh i've only met jinx briefly it was backstage at a show uh probably two or three years ago i guess um so when he came here he came to jackson county everybody was asking about it and they, they kind of had like a little small get together and I didn't know about it till it was over, so I was giving him a hard time. I was like, oh, okay, who was the guy that told you all about Cody Jinx five years ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knew Ward Davis before they moved to town? I was like, thanks for the invite, bricks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, please tell me, uh, don't say loud and heavy or hippies and cowboys. Name me his sixth most famous song, you hardcore fans, you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, nah, but I was just kidding with some people. But it was, I was like – my favorite artist is 15 minutes, of the ro- minutes up the road, and I'm sitting there eating spaghetti with my family. They didn't know about it. Yeah. Well, man, uh, I was talking a while ago about the uh, recent show that you put on. You had Chris Knight. Uh, yeah. How'd that, how'd that go? I love Chris. Dude, I think he's like, I mean, you may disagree. You're the musician. I'm just a fan, but. Like to me, he's almost like this generation's John Prine in a way, Absolutely. with his songwriting. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I've I've been listening to Chris. Now I'm 37, Andrew. I know we're close to age. I'm I've been listening to him since probably 2000. He'd been out a couple of years. That self-titled album, which may still be his best album. I don't think Chris Knight's got a bad album. You no, know, uh, I don't either. Um, you know, Chris is a different cat, man. He's like, you know, he's very, very reserved, keeps to himself. Uh, we've interviewed him on one lane road and he just, man, you know, until we started talking hunting and fishing, he really didn't talk a whole lot. And, um, but it, it was just like, that was a goal of mine. When we started doing these songwriter series a few years ago, you know, um, I was like, man, it'd be cool to have Chris Knight just because I think people in this area, especially would love listening to his songs. We all grew up on them, you know, essentially. Yeah. And, I mean, all there is to do here is ride dirt roads and drink beer and throw your beer cans at and bottles at road signs, you know, uh-huh. and try to hit and them, all these nights when I was in college, man, you know, we'd have guys and girls and the girls it seemed like by two AM it's a sausage fest and we were standing on top of coffee tables singing Hank Junior and mm-hmm. and Waylon and Ragweed at the time was and Chris Knight and so like twenty year old me was still like, holy shit, I'm doing a show with Chris Knight, you know, hosting a show. Yeah, and it was it was good, man. Chris is older now; he's I think sixty one, yeah, or something. But man, he kept himself all day. I showed him the dressing, got him in the dressing room. And, um, kind of a funny story. He's I've seen him kind of get a little ornery on t- at times at shows, and so uh, my sound guy was like, dude, I've heard he don't like sound guys real well, and I was kind of <laughs> no, and I no, was, he don't like. He he don't like bad sound guys. That's the way it right. goes, probably. And, and all I said is we were setting up to the venue, and I said, it sounds like you need to bring your A game tonight, Andy. Hmm. You know, make, but don't give him a reason to hate your ass. Right. You know? and, um, so I got there, and Chris had already uh, – I went home, and I came back, and Chris was doing sound check, and he's like, 
dude, he's already on me. I said, what'd you do? He said, I said, how, how's that sound to you, Bubba? He said, he asked me, who's Bubba? <laughs> <laughs> he said, sorry, man, that's just my redneck coming out. He goes, well, you know, my name's Chris. And I said, hell yeah, I'm glad he got on you. Let's go. Pick it up. Learn your lesson. No, man, it was it was awesome. Chris was uh it don't get any better than me than Chris and I as far as that storytelling. I mean, man, that to yeah. to be able to sit down and write a song like Down the River, you know? Yeah. That wasn't written at a Starbucks with a team of ten people. Pretty boys, was it? <laughs> no. Hell no. Oh, uh, I met Chris. I did it opened a show for him in Rome, Georgia. Uh, yeah, I've been to Rome. Oh, that's a cool town. I love Rome. Yeah. Little Berry College, little college town there. I can't remember the name of the little bar, but it, all I remember is the steep ass steps. And it, they had the music, uh, it had a bar on the bottom, had another bar up top, and they always had the bands up top. Yeah. And the steepest daggum steps, narrow, I mean, terrible, dark. And there's about 15 or 20 or 28 of them. And you got to load all our, we had to load all our shit up and down them steps, you know. That ain't fun. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but we did a, uh, we opened a show, f- my, me and my old band opened a show for just him and a guitar player acoustic. Of course, it was sold out. But after the uh, show, I heard him say to somebody, and we was hanging out, I talked to him for a little while, um, I heard him say this young guy that was in college, he was talking to him, and he said, uh, hey, Chris, man, I'm a huge fan. I, you know, I love – that needs to be me, all the stuff, you know. And he said, uh, man, I'm I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to play guitar, make a little guitar money, you know, and, like, get my name out there, man. And he said, what, what you got any advice? And Chris said, Yeah. Play every damn birthday party that you can play. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just laughed. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, you got to just kind of do whatever if you really yeah. want to get your name out there. You know, you hear all these stories about all these people that's made it. Um, that's how they started a lot of times. A lot of times it ain't nowadays like the big people, as you know, all that's, you know, a bunch of political crap involved. Right. And and brown nosing and ass kissing. But uh, the real deal people, I mean, they're, they're out there honky-tonking and working things out, you know, doing it the hard way. And it ain't easy. It ain't uh, easy. But. To... to- with your point right there, one of my favorite stories that we've had on One Lane Road podcast, uh, one of my favorites currently in, in the last 10 years, Jason Eady um, was on, and he was talking about when they got their start in, in uh, Fort Worth. Um, I can't remember the name of the bar. It's right there in the stockyards, like White, White Elephant Saloon or uh, yeah, White Elephant. something like that. Is that what it is? Uh, well, I went in there. I went to Fort Worth. Well, I've talked about that show. I went and seen Hank at a Billy Bob's back in the spring. And um, so Edie said there would be like five people in there on a random night, and uh, he would sing to four or five people, and Jinx was the bartender. <laughs> Jinx was still doing like metal music or whatever the time. Had him start his music career, maybe. Yeah. 
And so Edie would be playing to four people, five people, and one of them was Cody Jinks. It was bartending, you know. Ain't that something. Yeah. So, uh, um, but it, no, I mean, the Chris Knight show, it, it went well. I mean, it was cool. I just think, Andrew, as you know, when you played here, I mean, a lot of people from a very rural area, this area, you know, people won't go to Nashville. Yeah. Some people, I mean, it's when, when people, if they Google where I live in Whitleyville, Tennessee, North Springs, Tennessee, we're, I mean, hell, it's 15 minutes from a gallon of milk. Mm-hmm. You know what I tell people? I'm in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, p- people look at Nashville, Knoxville, and Chattanooga like it's damn New York City. Uh-huh. So I think if I can bring some talented guys to Gainesboro and Salina, you know, especially like Chris Knight, they've listed their whole life. So, I mean, we packed it out. We we, we hit the fire marshal code and probably a few more. And Good. And I, it, it just went – it was good. Like I said, Chris was – Chris kept himself. I didn't talk to him a whole lot. Uh, I did ask him after the show. That I was at a show years ago uh, where he got a little honorary with the crowd. It was at a Harley shop. Now, only Chris Knight would be at a Harley venue and tell a bunch of bikers to get the hell out of there. I never. He said, I never, I never didn't like him damn bikes anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he was up there and somebody pissed him off early in the night or something. And, uh, and, he was thanking the crowd. Now, Chris has always been, I mean, I, I, you know, he was good with the crowd uh, at that night until these bikers, man, they, they about four or five cranked up. He goes, I right, get the hell out of here. I never did <laughs> like damn Harleys anyway. <laughs> and then he said, I got t-shirts, CDs and koozies. And I don't give a shit if you buy them or not <laughs> over there. So I asked him after the show, he kind of loosened up. And, uh, I asked him, I said, man, I was at a show about 12 years ago. In, in East Tennessee, uh, he said, I, I was more or less just messing with them people, you know. I said, and he had got a little little smirk on his face. I said, man, fair enough. I just, and he told me a little bit more about the story. But, yeah, I think he just enjoys messing with people a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, Norm MacDonald, everybody knows he just passed away. Yeah. He was a uh, genius, really. People don't even Absolutely. people don't even know, but he was like that man. So there is an art to that. I mean, kind of, it's kind of like you're you're in on your own joke, and really nobody else might not get it. But yeah. it's hilarious, like because years later you get you you find out and you get it. You know, like he would say these little jokes, and then nobody would really know how to react or it would come across um as not funny and people really sometimes wouldn't know whether to laugh or or like think it's lame but that's his right. th- that's his gig that's his gig it's like yeah. the show about nothing seinfeld you know larry david and jerry seinfeld what they did with that i, I mean that's never been done before but it's freaking no. genius or since no no, not really. It's and there, so there is an art to that, and right. to, especially to do it where nobody really can tell. Ah, oh, is he pissed off, or maybe he's just dicking around? You know, I mean, that, yeah. there's an art to doing that the right way. Uh, I respect people like that that can pull that <laughs> off. They do. You know, you you were the first of the songwriter series to kind of go back for everybody. You know. And basically, I'll tell everybody, you know, like I said, to get artists, and I'm not talking about just like little cover bands that are playing your little bar on a Friday night. I wanted to 
bring in real talented musicians that were singing real country music because there's two types of people. There's the ones that bitch about country music that don't, that only listen to radio and CMT or God love our legends, Hank Jr. Whalen, George Jones. I love those three as more as any, you know, as much as anybody, you know, Merle Haggard, Johnny Cash, but people, there's still like a, a section of the world, especially in these little towns that, that only that they're like, Oh, this is the only country music. I'm like, no, there's a whole section of people and so I made it a, a, a goal of mine to start bringing those people to this area and be like, no, this is country music too. Just, you know, you got to get off your ass and find it. And so you were the first show and that, that came the idea where it was going to be like a smaller 50 seat room, that real intimate venue. Yeah. Uh, I went to, a, I went to a show at Jeff Cox's house in Lexington where it was Justin Wells and Jason Eady. And I remember sitting on my cooler in the back of the room, drinking beer, listening to these guys play acoustic on a stool. And I thought, man, that's that's where it's at. And we end up going a little bit bigger with you know your show and beyond. But you were the first one. I think that was in January of uh, 2019 when we had that show. It seems like, and uh, you know, and people around here aren't used to going and listening to listening rooms, right? Yeah. And we struggled with that. Coming. I know what's coming now. <laughs> and Lucas, this is why Lucas quit coming to my shows because I've got to be the politic. I'm running around. I sold the tickets. These are my friends. Yo, Lucas don't get out much. And I told people to kind of hush for a couple times. Yeah. And then Luke, then Lucas is like, I'll handle them. He kind of got on them. And it's like fuck disciplined children. You know, yeah. the children are the wrong and the wrong. But they get mad and pout at their parents. And Lucas, everybody was like, Lucas is being an asshole for telling us to be quiet at a concert, a listening show. So finally, everybody listening. Andrew goes, uh, hey, y'all, uh, am I am I playing too loud for y'all in the back? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to ruin your conversation. And the whole room goes. <laughs> but then we end- <laughs> But we ended up having a hell that uh, woke them up a little bit. And they started partying with us at the end. You know, they got into the songs. And- oh, I was just messing with them people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But man. you had them, man. By the end of the night, we was having a big time. Yeah, that was fun. Food was good. People, everybody, yeah. every damn person there was just like from my hometown here in Alabama. You know, that's what it reminded me of. It, it, good people, hardworking people that just come out to most of them just come out to sit down and have a good time and listen to stories and songs and a few few of the well-known songs by other artists that they know uh throw it in there but just kind of a escape you know for whatever daily life brings and the thing about the <laughs> the thing about the, the talking and shit like that man it's I mean, you know, it, it's been debated about, really, but, you know, it's disrespectful. Yeah. When you're up there kind of doing your thing, you're in a zone. Sometimes you can't even, t- if you're looking at somebody in the crowd, if you're if you're in such a zone, you don't see that person. You know what I mean? It's like... Uh, you're in a whole nother world. You're doing your thing. You're in your element. Your brain's going. Uh, you're you're just doing your thing. And people come out to bars 
to drink and have a good time, get a little rowdy, raise a little hell. That's one thing, you know, in a big bar. You ain't going to get them to shut up. They're they're not there to listen. They don't care whether you're playing Give Me Three Steps or your own stuff. They don't care as long as you're playing something that's loud. Um, And there's alcohol. But the kind of thing you're doing, bringing the shows in and, you know, you can make an intimate, you can get that intimate setting even in a bigger, like a thousand seater, you know. Sure. You can get that if it's the right, the right fit. Like people have to know, like, you know, you like you say you book a concert hall that's got like, you know, it's like a thousand seater. Well, people kind of know, you know, I mean, I think they do. Well, we're going to go and just sit and enjoy the show. I mean, you can stand up and clap and stuff or whatever with a band. But, I mean, you kind of know ahead of time, like, it's it's just you're not going to be there to party so much. Sure. Really, you know. Um, it, and, I, I even had it trouble at Chris, at, with Chris Knight, and that was, you know, pe- people had been hopped up for months leading up to that. And there was instead there was one small section in the back of the room that refused to sit down. I'm like, this is ridiculous, man. You wouldn't go to the Ryman and stand in the back of the room, you know, and sit here and do this. And, you know, where, where do you draw the line? Because, I mean, I was like, they came to a damn class reunion. They didn't come to a concert. They think they're just there to see their boys and hang out. And I'm, they just happened to be the greatest damn songwriter of this generation standing on stage in front of, them, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just disrespectful. I played this place in Arkansas one time, Batesville, Arkansas. I can't even remember. I, I can't even believe I remember the town. But it was a really cool place. The staff bought almost all of my T-shirts that I had with me. They bought probably 15 shirts and CDs and everything. Yeah. Really nice. Um, the place was really big. It was really nice. It was kind of in the middle of nowhere, you know, kind of like your deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mine but it was um they had a cornhole board right beside the damn stage right beside it and this end was like right here by the stage and the other one was i don't know probably 15 20 yards up you know from that and they had that they had that area over there where you could just kind of stand and there wasn't no tables or nothing over there but it had tables, like right in front of the stage, it had tables, and then it had like a little bit of an elevated uh, room behind that, and they had tables back there. So those people could kind of see over because they were a little higher, like one little step, you know. Right. So everybody in the place could see you, really. It was set up real cool. It had a big stage, um, really good sound in there, tall ceilings, pitch ceilings, and... I, I was doing the thing, just me and my guitar, just acoustic. And about 30 minutes into it, man, these kids over here, well, I say kids, I don't know if that's kids or not, I was acting like them. They were right over here playing cornhole, and I mean, being so obnoxiously loud, not even trying to talk quietly, but laughing. Ahead. You know how some girls, man, I'm sorry, girls that's listening, if if there are any girls listening, I don't know. Y'all are some obnoxious freaking freaks of nature when you get that drunk. 
y'all are way too obnoxious and way too loud. I don't know why. There's a guy every once in a while, they usually end up carrying him out and throwing his ass outside on the pavement. But with girls, they end they up puking the or something. You know, it's <laughs> I don't know why it's like that, but it is. And there was two girls over there, I'll never forget. They were being so damn loud and obnoxious, laughing. Like they were the only six people in the whole place, just being completely disrespectful. And <clears throat> I was talking, saying something in between songs, and I said, uh, they were just, you couldn't even hardly hear me because they were so loud. And I was a little not so nice this time, like I was yeah. with the few people that was there at your show. That's not, it wasn't many. It was just a little group in the back. Right. But, um, I said, you know, that's, that's bullshit to have your own party going on over here. When I came a long damn way to do this for people that really want to uh, hear it, they can't even hear me because y'all think y'all are, you know, at a college hangout. Yeah. I said, I wish y'all would get the hell out of here. <laughs> I mean, it just kind of got on me a little bit. But certain nights, <clears throat> certain nights, it's like I can deal with it a little better. Right. Um, and certain nights, it just gets to me, man. I guess, I don't know. It's they, they didn't do you any favors by putting a damn cornhole board by the stage. That's not a good start. Of, you know, that's not a good start. No, it wasn't, and I saw that during sound check, and I thought, well, this is going to be great. You know, I think I, if I'm not mistaken, the owners was really nice. Yeah. I, I think I was one of the first shows that they did. It was a new place, and I think up to then they kind of had a yeah, because they had a big screen behind the stage, and they had a projector, so they showed pay per views and stuff. I think so. It was kind of like that, and I but they had they had built the stage. I don't know if I was the first one, but I was one of the first ones. So they really was trying to figure things out, I guess. But, you know, you would think it takes five minutes to move that shit or take it outside or, take, you know, do something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. I, I saw Edie one time in Knoxville, and it was like the most random place. Like his talent way, you know, exceeded the venue he was playing at that night. It was like a bowling alley attached to it. But then it was oh, like. yeah. But it was a small stage where he was at. It was like upstairs in a corner where there was like couches. And this is Knoxville, like on, on in the fall, like college football Saturday. So they had UT games on. So people course. were sitting on couches. And it was like me and three other dudes there to listen to him and talk about girls. There was there was a group of four that sat down, and like it was they were like thirty eight year old soccer mom wasted. They were all college roommates from back in the day, early two thousand. They met together to do a five k. And they didn't give a damn that Jason Eady was up there singing. They were just having their little Fally girl right. over the top, you know. It was bullshit, you know. And it's like, and they were all hot, and it still didn't matter because it was annoying, you know. It don't matter how girls, if you're listening, it doesn't matter how hot you are if you're at a concert. Shut up, <laughs> shut up, and just people, don't be loud. People are not there, guys. Even guys, single guys. You know, yeah. they come to, they, they're at bars usually. They go to bars to find the single girls and they got their their own thing going on. This is kind of a whole different atmosphere here. Oh, she's back. <laughs> this is you kind of a whole different thing. 
and oh, she's got a bowl of full. She's got a full bowl of food there. I don't know. She's just being mouthy, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's rude, man. I mean, y'all don't don't do that shit. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. If you want to talk um, and stuff, go to a bar where they're either their cover bands playing or they're playing UFC fight or something. Just or, or damn Chippendales dancers or whatever the hell they do. Don't go to a listening room type venue where you know this is like supposed to be an experience. This is supposed to be an escape for you for your daily hell that you go through at work and maybe at home. <laughs> And yeah. it's supposed to be an escape for all that. Right. We're not going to, you know, disappoint you. Uh, just enjoy it. You know, let us entertain you. I gripe so much on Facebook and the podcast about how people acted. And like I said, they didn't act terrible with your show. But I was like, no. guys, if y'all come to Jason and Courtney, because we had Jason and Courtney like six weeks after you. And it was like weirdly quiet it was like weirdly quiet they would be, they killed it and everybody was like you know I was like, oh, shit i've ruined afraid I've ruined to clap <laughs> yeah i mean i and think i'd walk over huh y'all get y'all did a giveaway or something in the middle of that show i think and you even got on the mic then and said <laughs> guys yeah you're just trying to be nice about it you probably knew them i'm sure you knew everybody there just trying to be nice about it. That you, as the night went on, you come up there on the mic. I took a break or something, I think, or maybe it was when it was over. I don't know. But you said something like <laughs> about him, you know, carrying on and everything. And I mean, yeah, it was. I ended up staying at your place. Which, by the way, thank y'all for letting me stay with you. Stay oh, the night. Man. Ready to do it again. I, I told you, I've got, I built this. This new uh, hangout, this man cave, you know, and for, you know, when you're a young man before you get married or even young in marriage, you think when people hear you go into the couch or you're sleeping somewhere other than you're with your wife or significant other, you're like, man, you're in the doghouse. Shit, boy, I, I come out here at nighttime. And I sleep like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> My wife will get so pissed at me because we have the youngest. We have the two year old. And I was like, honey, I can, I'm going to go out to the building and watch, you know, watch some TV. I got some stuff on DVR and she'll say. You're coming back, and I'll say, "Yeah, shit." Five five o'clock the next morning, I'm out here <laughs> snoring. Sun just laid out. Uh, it's beautiful, but yeah, we've got a space for you next time you come down. I hope here, you but. got the WWE Network dialed up. Yeah, that was <laughs> that's what's fun. <laughs> I didn't want to bother you the next morning. I posted something on Instagram. I was like, Andrew's probably still asleep, and you liked one of my posts. And I was like, he's up. And you're like, have you seen this on the WWE Network? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we uh. Yeah. We, we sit there and watch wrestling half the day. We watched like Star K ninety six, I think. Did, wasn't that what yeah, it was? From Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. It was from Nashville. Yeah. Man, yeah. speaking of which, I mean, we're bouncing around, but like, dude, I hate the Peacock Network. I do too. It sucks. So Terrible. God, it's god awful. I don't know why Summer, they can't like make things a little easier to to get around on there. It's ridiculous. Interface is terrible. SummerSlam season 25 yeah. episode whatever the hell it is it's terrible 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 yeah and it's such an easy fix if they would just fix it it'd be easy it's not hard i, watched, I mean dude i watch the network all the time and i just cannot mess with peacock just because the interface is so bad that's bad you're right yeah um but no with the uh the festival yeah it's a week it's and it's a month from yesterday so it's 
But the lineup, I, I am going to go over the lineup just just because yeah. Alex, like I said, people people are sleeping on Alex, and they need to. They, Alex is on the brink of something really big, in my opinion. I think he's he's still playing, you know, here and there, but opening for Cody's getting some of that steam. And man, I'm excited for Julie Roberts. You know, Julie's not done anything in a while, but man, they don't get much bigger. That breakdown here song that was a monster. Yeah, she's good. And, and wake up older. You know, I met her at a shooter show like five years ago. And I just always thought Julie was amazing. And I was walking to the bathroom. I was like, it's Julie Roberts, you know? So we spoke and uh, she was going to do the podcast um, originally. And that ended up falling through. She's not come on the show, but I was really just looking for a female artist that I thought would resonate with this crowd, you know, and I knew break down here. I mean, and uh, wake up older men in mascara. She's had, you know, some, some good hits. And, as soon as I posted that on Facebook, man, my female demographic just went batshit crazy and started ordering tickets to, to see Julie play. Cool. Um, so, you know, I'm excited for her. Then the next one, like Logan Halstead, you heard that name yet? Out of Kentucky, West Virginia? I don't think I have. He's, uh, he's, he just turned 18. He's on that, uh, I saw he played a show with Town Mountain not too long ago. Uh, he does like so. I found him originally. A friend of mine sent me a video, and he was doing like children's covers. Mm. Um, and you know, and I thought, man, that's good. But I was wondering, like, you see him the first few times, you're like, well, what's he do on his own? You know, kind of deal. Yeah. He's not trying to cover children's. And man, he's he's really really good. You need to look him up. He he doesn't have anything on Spotify or Apple yet. He's just you know, straight strictly YouTube. His views on YouTube's through the roof. Um, then buddy of mine, Ryan Davis, out of Bowling Green, Kentucky. I don't know if you've ever you met Ryan. I think. Yeah, I think uh, he. he played, I think he uh, did the thing. Did he do the thing last year? Or did he open the show for uh, in 2019? He uh, he was at the festival last year. That's fe- okay. Yeah, I did meet him. Ryan, man, he shit. He's he's a good old boy. Friend, he's played. I think he did the show after Jason and Courtney for me. Then he opened for Justin Wells when I had for, uh, Justin down here. Uh, so yeah, Ryan's been down here a lot, man. He's he's got two albums. He's got um, uh, a full length album on iTunes called Story to Tell that I think is a uh, cut to tape. His little EP he's got. It's got some damn good tunes on it. Um, Addison Johnson's another guy that's playing. Addison he he opened for Chris Knight for me. He uh, he called me and he's like, man, I i seen the Chris Knight thing, and I was like, "Let's." I said, "Well, I need an opener, man. You, you, because I know he loves Chris Knight." Yeah. Um, and so he's playing the festival. He's over in Europe right now playing. Wow. Uh, just started. Got over there yesterday, doing a little little leg over there in Europe, and he plays over here at the bar in Gainesboro. That little boy in Thistle, and uh, so yeah, it's it's the rest of the lineup, somewhat of a local. Um, I switched it up a little bit, man. I tried to switch pretty much the whole lineup around. Uh, this year and give it something fresh. And next year, I really want to do a two day where I get all you guys that been on the first two, kind of. Oh yeah. And I'd love to do a two day next year. And I wanted to kind of give it a whole fresh lineup this year. And uh, I've really went outside of the box. Smoky Nights is a local band. They play Cookville a lot, but they play also overseas. And they play like uh, they were in Wisconsin last year. Uh, very diverse group. They do a lot of a lot of and like an eighties. You just have to look them up, man. They're very talented. Uh, yeah. Then I got Caleb and Leanna, a male-female duo out of Cookville, and my buddy Mike DeMezzo plays in Nashville a lot. Um, 
he, he played the festival last year um, in an opening slot, but I started taking some bookings for him this year um, locally. Oh, and, cool. But no tickets, if anybody's listening, tickets are on eventbrite.com. And it's, uh, so it's just in a big, sta- big field, um, 25 acre field here on my farm. So it's, it's a really nice visual out here in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's a cool place out there, too. And when he says in the middle of nowhere, he, he means it. <laughs> it is in the middle of nowhere. Um, but it's really, it's a, it's a really cool area. Um, when you, when you come back, I've got a, I've got a player's ranger I bought. I think I had my little rhino, uh, when you were here last time, but it was piss pouring rain when you left that day. Yes, it was. I barely got out of the damn driveway. Yeah. Bring Dana down next time with you and we'll, uh, yeah, we got a four seater. We'll hit these woods and. Oh yeah. She'd love it. Yeah. It's, I mean, dude, you can go out for miles here and now see people, you know, uh, Talk about your podcast a little bit too, if you want to. Yeah, it's so when people like people are listening to this, they're gonna think, man, this guy. So I, I'm, I'm like the I, for to be the middle of nowhere and not be famous. I'm, I've met more famous people and know and run into you know dumb luck with stuff like that. So people's always like, how in the hell do you find these people to be on your podcast? So when Lucas approached me like five years ago. He said, hey, man, I listen to a shit ton of podcasts. Let's do one. And I said, I don't know what we're, you know, who's going to listen to us, man. How are we going to get it out of there? He's like, you know, half the former Tennessee Titans roster, <laughs> you know, and you're always running into people at country music shows. He's like, you can get guests, but we'll just talk about, you know, stuff in the meantime. And, you know, it took us a long time to get our footing, you know, as you can probably attest to this when you're, you know, kind of figuring out this thing. And, oh, yeah. Early on, you know, I was trying to be DK, not just Dustin Kennedy. Like, you know, like they always said, you know, Johnny Cash. But when he started calling him Cash, that was the crazy one, you know. And yeah, that's that's kind of the like I'm Dustin Kennedy, but boy, that DK back in the day raised a lot of hell. Yeah. So we people wanted to uh, people wanted to hear DK stories, and you know, I'm I'm married with kids now. Some of them stories don't need to be told. Oh yeah, and. And Lucas was in a very corporate role at the time we started, and he, had to be he was really he had to be careful. And I get it now that I'm I'm in a pretty same role kind of he was in a, initially. And I remember one time he told me he's like, "Man, we got to be careful. There's somebody at this church down the road who's listening to our podcast." And I said, <laughs> <laughs> "And you know that's all, that's little town stuff right there." Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. when everybody knows yeah. your mom and daddy. Uh-huh. And I said, "I said, Lucas, with all due respect, I didn't take a damn flyer to their church and tell them to listen." Right. Yeah. And I said, so, well, let's just be us. I said, I don't yeah. want to give our listeners, whether it's 10 or a thousand, I don't want to give a damn watered down version of the one lane road podcast. No. And, and people don't want that either. No. I mean, you know, and we end up telling stories and, you know, some, some weeks better than others, but man, we've had some great guests on there over the time. And sometimes it's just ribbing on our wives, you know, making fun of our wives or, <laughs> you know, I mean, my wife got to talking, she, she'd come home from town or wherever she go out to the grocery store. She said, if you don't leave my damn name off that podcast. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'd make fun of her for this or for that. You know, my boss, a lot of my buddies would be giving her a hard time and shit, man. We've had, uh, we've had several past, you know, Tennessee Titans in the past. Uh, like I said, you were on there. Uh, of course, Lucas hates it. Lucas is a year younger than me and he doesn't love nostalgia. You know, everybody loves nostalgia, what you grew up on, you know? Sure. 
he and he finally, you know, at your interview about broken. And then my buddy Chris Rains come on. Even Keith Boys that played for the Titans talked about it. That's about the sixth person that's our age said. He said, what the hell am I missing? Does everybody our age have to talk about professional wrestling? <laughs> we went for about three hours, I think. On one of Dude, them, I think we, we <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was just because Lucas was doing this because he was tired of hearing about wrestling. <laughs> but I just don't understand how you can grow up in the 80s and 90s and not have just a soft spot. Uh, for all that stuff not just pro wrestling but you know and it's like a it's it was so big back then yeah i mean how if if you could how could you be you know how young we were back then that was the perfect age to really be into this thing i I told eric bischoff i said man when i very first time i ever met him in person we had i was in cody wyoming where he lives we went to that uh, Silver Dollar Saloon. Yeah. I said, you know, we didn't talk wrestling much, but I said, man, I just want you to know from a business standpoint, because I know you'll respect, you know, hearing this from a business standpoint, because I'm business minded and you are too. I, whenever the NWO came out and then whenever you joined, um, I had to have a t-shirt. I wore it to school. About yeah. 20 other guys wore theirs. We walked around doing this all time. <laughs> it was the coolest freaking thing. Like yeah. I felt so cool on top of the world to do this right here. And just for somebody, you know, like to know what that was. It's like, we're in. <laughs> I felt yeah. like I was in it, you know? And I said, Hell, if you were in, w- in WCW at the time, you probably could have been in. I said, yeah, I said, dude, I mean, we saved our allowance money, me and about four other of my friends every month paid twenty nine ninety nine for every single pay-per-view that WCW put on up until the 2000s, early 2000s. Right. Just so you know, you know, uh, yeah. and it's how could you not have been i mean everybody's into their own things you know but i mean pro wrestling especially in the 90s was pop culture i mean it was freaking huge i i've still got uh thanks to the website uh homage homage homage.com they have all kinds of uh, throwback my boy brandon cooper a buddy of mine work put me on it he was i was like where'd you get that shirt he had the Happy Gilmore, gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit shirt. It's my favorite movie quote ever, you know? And <laughs> yeah. He's like, dude, you're a pro wrestling nerd like me. He's like, go to homage.com. They've got it. And I ordered like um, $120 worth of T-shirts. My wife about killed me. But one of them was the NWO shirt, you know? Oh, it's stupid. Yeah, I, I, I went a little crazy buying T-shirts for over. But yeah, I've still got the NWO, and it's 25 years later. Yeah, I've got um, I've got the original one still. Yeah. You know, and Lucas will argue with me. He'll say, you know, I got it. He's like, I watched the pay-per-views with you guys then, but what's so damn important about it now? I said, dude, I'm talking about Hogan and Warrior to Sky Dome at WrestleMania 6. I said, we're not talking about the damn Miz. No respect, <laughs> yeah. disrespect to the Miz, but we're no. talking about old school stuff. Yeah, man. it's it's It brings you back. Nostalgia is it, it's it's like a drug almost. I get yeah, I is. get lost and caught up in it sometimes, man. Especially, you know, well, even fashion right now, man. You look at a lot of these people. George or George have made a comeback. Mullets have made a comeback. 
Yeah. Like all this like NASCAR shit. Like people will wear like tacky Dale Jr. or not yeah. Dale Jr. Dale Earnhardt t shirts and yeah. from they they would find it a Goodwill or something. And mm-hmm. people are wearing them like fashionable. Yeah. And it's just all 90 stuff, you know, these high waisted mom jeans that should not be worn, mm. but they were worn in ninety three and they're back. You know, it's just everything comes back. But you know, we talk about wrestling. Uh I was always a WWF guy for life. Even when the NWO was hot, you know, I'm a click guy. I'm a Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Hall Nash, X Pac. That's my favorite yeah. group. The one the one that actually never appeared on television. But so I loved what Hall and Nash and Hogan were doing, but me and my buddies, uh, my friend Don Asbury, he's a few years older than me. We would watch wrestling together, and we would say, man, WWF's got a better product. He's like, but WWF has gained some, you know, because NWO was so hot. I think early 97, WWF really started putting out a better product with Austin being edgy and, you know, rock that summer, you know, turned heel. And DX was getting to be a thing, the Kane storyline. Yeah. WWF really turned that corner and didn't show for about a full year until 98 with the Mr. McMahon Stone Cold thing really took off. But man, WWF's always been it for me, but now I'm, I'm, they're losing me, Andrew. They're after all these years, 37 years, they're losing me. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're too corporate. They're just looking at that. They're looking at that dollar sign. They, yeah, I, I've, it's lost me for a long time. Uh, it's been almost a decade now. They've not had good television, in my opinion. I think you've been into it longer than I have, because after the sale of WCW in 2001, uh, I watched the WWF uh, for prob- probably until about 2005 or six. Yeah. I thought it was really good at that time, and then I don't know if yeah. it was just life or just, I don't know who any of these people are or what. I quit watching it until AEW came out. They're on fire, man. Man, they got my attention right off the bat. They got my attention. And uh, we actually, me and Dana went to a show before COVID hit. We went and to Dynamite. And it's just. Did you go to one in Alabama or did you go to the one in Nashville? We went to the Huntsville one. I got you. I went to the one in Municipal in Nashville. And uh, it's a great thing they're doing and they're doing it the right way they're spending tony khan is like a is like a is like a steve jobs almost but he's like he just got all this crap going on man but he's so smart he he's not afraid to spend his money right i mean they are spending some money hiring who they've got on their roster you know, and, and you know it, it took some money to get CM Punk out of retirement. Oh, I mean, can you imagine? And what's to come? Who the hell knows? Well, I mean, they got Ray, all kinds Ray's of tricks up their sleeves, man. Yeah, I mean, I know you you can add too much, and I, people are relating it to a WCW how they added so much talent. But I'll be honest with you, Andrew, I don't think some of the talent for AEW. I mean, take this for what it's worth, but. I think a lot of those guys were kind of glorified indie guys, and I'm I'm all for having homegrown talent. But yeah. Some of those guys they were having on TV initially shouldn't be on television. If you can get a Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Bray Wyatt, you got to add those guys all day long. And uh, Andrade, yeah. um, you got to add those guys where you can. It's going to bring ratings. I mean, um, I just think I like their tradition, man. Uh, 
Yeah. They honor tradition where WWE kicks their legends to the curb and they just don't have respect. And they have all these weird storylines. PC you know, look at and how, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And look at how all these legends are being treated in AEW. I know. Um, and it's just like, I love the quarterly pay-per-views. Yeah. Okay, and they, and, and they, and they're, they're slowly telling stories on television. Yeah. And that's what you and I grew up with. You know, we had, when you and I were kids, it was four pay-per-views a year. You had Rumble, Mania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. Yep. And one of these things, my wife's getting pissed because I'm not talking to you on my computer. I'm on my phone, so she's texting me, and I can't even text back. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, she thought I was doing this on the computer. But, um, you know, WWTV, man, it's oversaturated. Yeah, it is. has been Three for a long time. Three hours is the worst damn thing. Three hours is the worst thing. That's to me. It's when Nitro started going downhill when they went three hours. Yeah, and then they added Thunder on Thursdays. And yeah, you got the same roster, and you're. I mean, it, it. You can only do so much. Yeah, and sometimes less is more. Absolutely. I mean, I remember those cliffhangers on Nitro and Raw. I mean, it made you like almost just piss yourself waiting yeah. for what's going to happen next. Like, what the hell's going to happen next Monday? I can't freaking wait. <laughs> there and was nothing better no god back and forth all all every monday night 245 to 247 on direct tv man <laughs> tnt to usa network all night long I, I mean it was just such a it was such a great time and eric bischoff i feel like don't get the credit i mean he gets a lot of credit especially like nowadays blame, he he gets a lot of a lot of bull crap on him of course, he wasn't perfect. Nobody is. He's running Ted Turner's wrestling company the best that he knows how. He's try- He's a visionary. He's an innovator. And I think that eventually the WWF would have really – I don't know if that ever went out of business unless Vince just sold it or something. Yeah. It would have been damn close. They say it was close anyway. It would have really been something uh, if Vince – and Gerald Briscoe and Bruce Pritchard and all these guys did not put their heads together and come up with with something, and boy, they did. But you that, know, yeah, that attitude era changed the game completely. But with, you know, you know, did Mister McMahon did that come from Eric being the NWO leader? Did did it, did he think, hmm, that's, that might work? Yeah. You know. I don't know. There's early footage from like 93 out there. It's, it's very obscure footage, but uh, Vince McMahon went to USWA in Memphis uh, and, and feuded with Jerry Lawler. And that was like the first remnants of the Mr. McMahon character where uh, that was, you know, years before Bischoff. So, uh, I mean, maybe the influence from, from Eric, I, I can't imagine the pressure Eric was under no. dealing with all the Ugos. You know, Vince McMahon is the man in right. New York, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, B- Bischoff had all these guys who had creative control in their contracts with Hogan and Savage and Flair and Hall and Nash. You know, Hall and Nash would say they would just stare the pot all the time, you know, trying to get raises and, you know, just, uh, well, New York, we did this and all that, you know. And uh, I can't imagine what Bischoff had to deal with. Yeah, and Eric, too, is uh, very business-minded, but he's very personable. You know, yeah. if he likes you, if he if if he feels a connection with you, and it's on a – it can be kind of on a personal level. It can be a friendship. You know, him and, him and uh, Diamond Dallas Page were good friends, and he, he got the push, you know. He – DDP really got the push. Because of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Eric Bischoff. 
Yeah. Um, and he now is like, I mean, I was watching, I was watching a Nitro from '96 on the network one night, and Dallas hit the diamond cutter, and the crowd stood up, and nobody really yeah. even knew who DDP was. He didn't have the gimmick or nothing. He was just doing his thing, but they hadn't really got the he hadn't got a push of any kind. But people were popping for him then, before he even was even DDP, you know. I mean, he was right. DDP, but he was like, nobody knew, you know, nobody really knew his gimmick. And there's evidence of that is, you know, you can be the friends with the boss all you want, but when he went out, I think it was in New Orleans at the Superdome, uh, when they threw him the NWO t-shirt and he joined, Pulled. then he hit... Yeah. Yeah. Then he hits Hall with a diamond cutter. Dude, that place went nuts. And yeah, I mean, that, you know, he was over. He was over whether he was friends with Bishop or not, you know. Yeah. And that was the moment for him. He's absolutely, he's he's talked about that. And then Randy Savage agreeing to take the diamond cutter after that. When they had their feud in 97, they had several matches that were like match of the year. He still got the trophy uh, from uh, PWI. I think it was Spring Stampede '97, Great American Bash. They they did it again. Yeah. It's one of those. Uh, uh, I think it's Great American Bash '97 match of the year. He's still got that. I've seen it. It's at his uh, performance center in uh, Smyrna, hmm. outside of Atlanta. Uh, yeah, but yeah, man, it was just such a time, and he, you know, I mean, it's like old TV shows for me. Like I can think back watching those old tv shows with my grandparents and my mom you know i still watch them sometimes when they come on a lot and it just i don't know it's like a it's like a gives you a good feeling or something you know well when when we grew up it was i mean we were in a very uh network driven but also like sitcom driven world where oh yeah it was just it was feel good comedies family friendly comedies um you know, and now it's all like you, like in your, my favorite Andrew Pope song, Everything Changing But Me, uh, talking about the reality TV. Reality TV is the worst damn thing that ever happened to television. Yeah, it for old country For old country boys like us that grew up on sitcoms like, you know, Andy Griffith and, oh, yeah. you know, even even stuff like when we were teenagers, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and yep. Urkel and, and yep. you know, uh, I mean, Urkel might be a stretch. I hadn't watched that in years, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I watched it every Friday night, man. I wasn't playing yeah, ball. Yeah. I was watching TGIF, you know. But even before Hell, that, watched- in the 80s, your Magnum yeah. P.I., MacGyver, Cheers, all of it, MASH, yeah, all of yeah. it. Yeah, man, it, it was just a it was a different time, you know, and it was good memories. It was like uh, things were simpler back then. We had yeah. three or four channels. That's it. I mean, now you got all this shit on the apps on your phone. You got streaming. You got apps on your TV. You got satellite channels with a, a five hundred thousand channels on there. Watch. You don't watch damn none of them. No, maybe ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I just miss it, man. I miss the simpler time. I love technology. I mean, I miss the simpler times, and um, you know, I don't. And that's what we do, the nostalgia stuff all, all the time on there. And he just doesn't – he'll give me a hard time. But we've done like, um, you know, comedy movies, 
brackets. We'll do like, especially during March Madness time, we done like a '90s rap bracket, <laughs> um, which was pretty fun. California love all day long, of course. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I get it. I, I just, I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for nostalgia, which I think it's just, it's just crazy to me. We, we butt heads over it all the time, but, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun podcast, man. I mean, if anybody's listening to it, just want something to. It's just common life. Like we, we do have guys like Andrew and Jason Eady, Chris Knight's been on, Justin Wells. I've interviewed a ton of my favorite musicians. Then we'll have some former former Tennessee Titans, but sometimes the most fun shows we ain't got nothing to talk about. And uh we started the show earlier, maybe three weeks ago, and somebody texted me, he's like, I didn't think the first twenty minutes of the one lane road podcast would be penis stories. <laughs> he's like, But here we are, you know. <laughs> and sometimes that's the best ones. We ain't got nothing to talk about. We just sit down like, you got anything? No, I ain't got anything. And yeah. I'll credit Lucas because I'll format the show. And if I get, get, I'm the one that gets our guests and does our social media. But Lucas is such a damn genius when it comes to just, I mean, he's so witty. Yeah. So, so that's what was frustrating for me early on on the podcast. When we, I felt like we were giving them a somewhat watered down version because I knew how damn funny Lucas was. And boy, the the day he walked in, he quit that corporate job. We took about eleven month break and came back late twenty eighteen. And he had he was like a smile like a Cheshire cat. And I said, "What's up with you?" He's like, "I quit my job. Let's roll." <laughs> and that son of a bitch has been money ever since. Like he don't even want to know what we're talking about, Andrew. We'll just sit down. And he's like, "What what do we got?" And he's like, "Nah, let's just talk about it." Yeah. He's just so he's just so quick witted and ad libs everything. Um, you know. That's what people want to hear, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It, it's just being real and not rehearsing nothing. I try to do that here. You know, I, sometimes I'll make notes if I've got somebody on that. You know, I need to say uh, all the stuff they've they've done or they've been in or they won an Emmy or whatever. I just don't. I, I want out of respect to them and what right. they've accomplished. Um, I want to get that right. Otherwise, I don't make notes. I don't. I just wing it, and they do too. And the first thing, I mean, one of the first things I'll say before we hit record, you know, I don't want this to be like an interview. Really, I might ask you questions, but it'll just be like two old buddies talking. You know, like almost like we're sitting here in the room doing and not even recording, because I enjoy that. I, you know, because it almost feels like you can. Hey, I know these guys already. I never yeah. even met them, but I know these guys, you know? I mean, they ain't trying well, to be nothing. They just hit record, and they're just shooting shit. That's the best kind, man. And, yeah. you know, 80, 80 texts me after that. Of course, Jimmy, you and I had never met. Yeah. Uh, when we, you know, that's why I was like, I was like, damn. Uh, you know, I text you as soon as it was over, and we started lining up that private show or that acoustic show. Yeah. And Lucas was like, did y'all just become best friends? I was like, dude, if you can talk Hank Williams Jr., Shooter Jennings and pro wrestling with me. Yeah, we're best friends. Man, Andrew Pope's the best friend. You know? uh, and, yeah. um, we can do karate in the garage. That's what I said. All right. I <laughs> uh, and he, he texted me the first time we done a – he's like, dude, thank you. He's like, I don't even like interviews sometimes. He's like, that was just a conversation. You know, that's just like a fun conversation. That's what we try to be, man. And Yeah. Um, it's just simpler that way, man. Nobody wants to – you know, the worst thing you can do is like all musicians, they hate being asked who's your favorite. And, you know. They, yeah. What's your you know, favorite song to play? Shit. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Same stuff, man. I believe in bullet points and just go. Yeah. <laughs> you know. How so, was that uh, how was that Hank show? Billy Bob's. I 
I get so pissed off when I hear people say, I went to a Hank Jr. show and I won't be back, man. He he don't even remember the words to his own songs. He was too drunk. I'm like, I you know, he too. wrote that song in 1978. How about he just, a lot of times he's put more of a modern spin on it or, you know. Or just changes it up. And, yeah, he, that's it. he's always done that, too. All through the 80s, he did that, you know. If I'm, if Hank Jr. lives to be 102 years old and they walk his little ass out there on stage, I will go and buy a ticket and see Rock and Randall both Cephas until he can't do it again. I just he's the best of all time in my opinion. Damn right. People have no idea, no idea. I had no. Billy Earhart on here. Have you heard that? Watched it, dude. I've got that one saved to listen to. I've I've been slacking on all my podcasts. I'm really interested and excited for that one. We did one because people requested it. Um, just about the Hank years. You know, we did one. You know, the whole thing. But I'm I'm calling it kind of part one. It was a few months ago. We did part two. I said, Billy, is there any way that we can just do a Hank? Just let me Hank your chain. You know. Because yeah. people want it so bad, and I'll, you know, he, of course, he's, oh, yeah, man, if, I, if that's what they want, yeah, don't, ain't no problem at all, man, appreciate you having me, I mean, he's, <laughs> I've known him a long time, he's, he's cool, he didn't get no cooler than Billy E. Um, I've been, I've been really looking stories. forward to listening to that one, hear those stories, man, I just, yeah, um, I've never met Hank Jr. or anything, but like, just the bravado that guy has like you know i love when he gets on stage and he starts talking through his stuff he's like uh went on a roll when i was eight years old yeah that was real uh yeah. you know how he does that you know how he does that and he'll say uh i went on the road with waylon jennings yeah when i was 14 you shouldn't uh, be on a roll with waylon jennings <laughs> you know at 14 and you know june carter cash is my godmother and he'll just like he'll pander to the crowd but like in his own way he'll say oh yeah you know i don't do a lot of shows uh it's it's time to help do his his gun and his fishing and yeah you know i go turkey hunting i was in a show in indianapolis one time they said he said they called me said you want to go play uh poughkeepsie new york i said shit no mm-hmm. you know he just has got his own spiel man and i can damn near quote it sitting there in the crowd but he, Dude, he's just—he's the best man. He is—he's the best of all time. An entertainer, I mean, my God, you know he's—he—he's never—he could take off for. A, I think he's done that. Just take off for a whole year, come back, and then it, nothing's nothing's changed. They're still showing up. Every age you could think of of people. I've been to so many Hank shows. The best one I ever went to. I want to hear about yours too, uh, uh, the, your favorite one. But the best one I ever went to, it was at Oak Mountain Amphitheater in Pelham, Alabama. And it's this really cool place outside of Birmingham. Yeah. And it was in 2002. I had just turned 16. And me and a buddy of mine bought tickets and. In my little 95 Ranger, we five-speeded up Interstate 65 and got down there early. Early enough where we could park close to the bus on the other side. There's three other guys there that looked like they were PBR bull riders 50 years ago. (laughs) And they had the uh, 
western i mean not like this couple of stripes western shirt but like the patterns and everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah uh, the, the guy was like talking to us and we was young you know and he said well <clears throat> my doctor you know wanted me to have that triple bypass but it was today and i said i no can do doc hank's coming to town <laughs> I was like, we're going to have a good time tonight. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. But, That's dedication. Oh, it is. And, but you know, uh, Johnny Cash had just died the day before. 2003. 2003. That's right. What did yeah. I say? Oh, five, maybe 05, but it, I don't remember what you said. But oh three, September 03, I think. September, yeah, exactly. September 03. Sorry about that. And during his acoustic set, he usually does like I walk the line and a little yes. a little nod to Johnny Cash and Waylon or whoever you know ZZ Top or Nugent or whoever. Um, yep. He did almost thirty minutes of Johnny Cash songs, and I mean like Big River uh, stuff. I've never really heard him do. Uh, Come to find out, Kid Rock comes out at the end of it. They had just kind of started being buddies. Yeah. They were fishing that day. And Kid Rock gets on the mic after they do the F word, you know, the, on the America yeah. Club. They did that. And uh, he comes out after they get done with that. Then they're about to do family tradition and end it, you know. But after they did the F word, Kid Rock's like, let me tell you all something. For y'all to be sitting on your ass while this man right here, you have no idea what a treat that you just got from this man right here. Never have I seen him sit with an acoustic guitar that long and talk about Johnny Cash and play his songs. Yeah. That was an experience for me and for all of y'all. And for y'all to be sitting down talking bored, acting like you're effing bored, shame on y'all, you know. I mean, he was pissed. And people was, you know, he, they kind of got, they kind of got, because he, Hank was, he was having a moment there. I got that. He was having a moment. Johnny Cash was very close with, with the whole family. And, uh, Johnny Cash is probably the reason that Hank knows so much about Civil War history. That is why, yeah. Um, and, you know, he was, and he always tells it, and it shows that, I mean, June Carter Cash and Johnny Cash were at the bedside when he woke up from the fall of Ajax Mountain. Montana, you know? yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. of course, it meant something to him. That is crazy that those people got to got to witness such a special night and didn't realize what they were seeing. It's That's unbelievable. Um they didn't get it. They just wanted to hear, you know, the, family the, tradition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And drink. And, well, you know, we was drinking too. I mean, uh, but it's, it's what you do, you know, when yeah. you're 16, if you can get it. And if you can get in the gates, then you can get it there. Right. It ain't no problem. Uh, First time I ever saw him was at the old Starwood Amphitheater. Oh, yeah. That was a good place. <laughs> 2000 i saw him in there in 02 04 and 06 um one of my favorite shows i ever saw him was in knoxville 
And it was the first time I ever been at a show at Thompson Bowling Arena. So I drank the whole time from Cookville there, not <laughs> knowing it was on a college campus and they didn't have sell booze. Mm. And it was one of the few times I didn't shove some Jim Beam in the cowboy boots to get in. So I was stone cold sober by the time the show hit. But but in but in hindsight, I got to see Hank sober for the first time, you know, <laughs> through my sober eyes. Yeah. And he said, Knoxville, it was about it was later in the fall, about this time of year. And he goes, You read I got a question for y'all's asses, blah, blah, blah. And he said, uh, are you ready for some football? Of course, everybody pops. Yeah. And he said, well, by God, you're looking at the original Monday night mother <laughs> effing dinosaur rocking Randall Hank yeah. Jr. And I was like, man, this dude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'll go around the stage and play all the instruments. And he'll say, oh, yeah, and that's why I'm the five-time mother entertainer mm-hmm. of the year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there ain't um, nobody else that can do that. No. Nah. Kid really Rock's ain't. only one. Kid Rock can do can do that, but he does it because Hank does it. He does it like you know, but the yeah, he does, and he'll admit it, he'll say that he'll admit it. But the thing is, is like with Hank, you know, if you think back like to the nineties, even the late eighties, you know, a song like Wild Streak. Yeah, who in the hell else could have pulled that song off? Because it's kind of cheesy, you know, the lyrics. Yeah. I mean, if you just read them lyrics on a piece of paper. You know, I got a wild streak, you know, uh, two hot, jump in a seat with two hot mamas and get it on, uh, you know, like, I mean, it's kind of, it's really cheesy. But, Hank had some questionable shit in the mid-90s. Yeah, he did, but, <laughs> but he, he, still he pulled it off like only he can, and, it, and it's really cool to listen to it. I don't think about it being cheesy, but, you know, if Mark Chestnut would have sang it or something, it wouldn't have worked. I mean... Hank Jr. Yeah. is just for the best and can do yeah. can do everything. I would love to I would love to hear him do just a blues album with just him and his guitar. Oh, man. Absolutely. Uh you know, we were riding side by sides the other day, my ranger, me and my wife, and I forgot he'd done this. And Shooter was on an interview one time. I don't even remember what the context was, but Shooter's like, Man, Hank Jr. will cover it. If it's out there, Hank Jr. will do a cover on it. He's like, he could do the wheels on the bus. <laughs> you know something i forget the quote shooter said years and years ago but i had forgot he covered wild thing oh yeah on hog wild wasn't it yeah and he's like wild thing you make me feel good or yeah. whatever well, real good especially uh, yeah, real good like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like man only hank could do that i remember that i mean um, yeah it's, it's true though it's like and i think i heard i heard something about that one time that said that when they was in the studio recording that record, the band just started playing it, and he started singing it, and they just went rolled with it. I love it, man. Um, I tell you, I don't think it was those the my two of my favorite songs of his that I remember in the early two thousands that weren't uh, commercially played as much. Not, not I shouldn't say commercially, but even his shows he didn't play. But now he's playing regularly, and it's feeling better is my favorite Hank Williams Jr. song just about ever. Um, Good one. From like 1974 or five, whatever that was, and it then was Dinosaur. Like Dinosaur is one of his. 77. Dinosaur is one of his biggest hits now, like in shows, and everybody yeah. knows Dinosaur. Man, 20 years ago, everybody didn't know Dinosaur. No, that's true. You know? Yeah, a lot of them's become popular now. Like, uh, I think Blues Man too. I don't really think it got a lot of attention, but now no, everybody. Alan Jackson song. done it. 
Yeah, right. Alan Jackson done it and turned it on. I I was on that, and that I don't try to go to Broadway much in Nashville anymore. But now, like dinosaurs, like a trendy one on Broadway. I'm like, oh man, yeah. damn it! They they figured it out. Uh huh. <laughs> you know? I know it's, it, and he does it in shows sometimes now too. Yeah, that's what. I, yeah. And I hadn't heard of that until the last few years. Yeah, he started. He put, he threw that in there, I think, because he wasn't doing it. And he's been doing Weatherman too this year. I heard. I love Weatherman, and but that you're talking about on the stool. That's my favorite part of a Hank show is when he says he'll be doing all my rowdy friends and say, "Hell, all my rowdy friends, they're dead anyway," or yeah. whatever. He'll do just a good old boys. I walk the line, and yeah. dude, it just it gives me cold chills just talking about it. I mean, I just get so fired up about this shit. I'm ready to go to a Hank Junior show. He's still <laughs> right now. I mean, he's and he still can sing just as good as ever. He he he's not lost. You know, yeah. you don't think of him as like an old man, but he's in his 70s. 72, whatever he is, 71, 72. That, that's insane to think about. And, and, and Willie and Bobby Bear and Christopherson in their 80s, Loretta Lynn. I mean, you know, it's it, it's weird to like for me to think, even at Alabama, Teddy Gentry, Alabama, you know, Randy Owen, yeah, Jeff Cook, they're all in their 70s. And that's so weird to just know yeah. that it makes me feel older and then it also makes me realize oh man you know what what after these guys are gone what then i mean exactly it's never there, gonna there's be some, there's some there's some guys well i want to talk about two guys with you in a little bit when we get off this um hank key but you did ask you at the show and never really answered um billy bobs i never had been to and we stayed out way too late. Me and my buddy Mackie said, we're not going to stay out late in Nashville before we fly into Texas. And of course, we stayed out till 3 a.m. <laughs> and flew out at 5. You know, oh. I had to get up at 5, flew out at like 6.50 to go mm. to uh, Dallas. Drove from Dallas to Fort Worth. And then the whole, uh, my buddy was like, nah, we're sleeping. And I said, dude, we're only here tonight. Get your ass up. You know, nobody made us pull a good one in Nashville last night. So, get up we're going to the stockyards and so we did the whole stockyard scene which was cool and got in there just seeing billy bob and seeing everybody play you know seeing shooter on the wall and seeing wayland's handprints and travis tritts and cross gang rag we did a record there early mid-2000s and i love cody canada um and then uh you know just hank man and the, the owner come out and talk to us and he's like don't leave early tonight whatever you do and i was like man it's, something's big's about to happen you know tonight and you know, I run into Sam, his youngest son, who's just started his career as well. Yeah, he's blowing um, up right now, man. Yeah, he, I mean, his record is not a country record. It, I don't know what it is. Like, it's too good to be pop, but it's not country. It's it, Yeah. But I'll support it because he's a Williams. And right. so Hank done his show. And then it was funny, man, because the way it was seated, the security guard was just, I mean, they were, they were hell-bound not letting people stand. All night long. I mean, come on, you're the Hank Jr. song or show. Come on, man. Uh, and yeah, it's a, it happens at some places these days. I, I'm not. I don't get that one really. And then Hank was about to get be done. He goes, "Oh yeah, by the way, I brought my uh, illegitimate child from Detroit tonight." And uh, he said, "Bobby, hell, come talk to him." And Kid Rock comes out and plays all summer long, and that place just freaking explodes and not, oh, nobody's man. sitting their ass down then yeah and then they bring out miranda lambert and man you talking about a show to see those three miranda just kind of stood off to the side and 
of course they done family tradition and everybody if you don't love this and this and this one yeah. you know Hank will throw in that random one. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. He'll throw in that random ludicrous. It's just my little Kings of Leon. <laughs> he always yeah. says it like that and does it. Yeah. If you don't love Marshall Tucker, yeah. uh, if you don't love Ludacris, I'm like, Ludacris? What the hell's Ludacris got to do with anything? But <laughs> he's the best. And I, we did this on the podcast one time where I was talking about I got heated because. I kind of give Johnny Cash crap. He's not my favorite of that group. I love them together. It's like George Jones is the greatest voice in country music. Waylon Jennings is the greatest outlaw of country music. But wait, like Hank Jr. is all that. Like he's the guy to me rolled into one. Like he's songwriter, entertainer, charisma, playing all the instruments. And I said, it just pisses me off when I go. It's nothing about against Johnny Cash personally. It's just when I go to Nashville and I see those damn T-shirts with the middle finger, like all the bachelorette parties are wearing the Johnny Cash shirt, and he's got the museum, he's got the restaurant. I'm like, why can't Hank Jr. and Waylon get a little love in this town, for God's sakes? And then, yeah. And this girl, and this girl wrote my podcast, and she said, Dustin, but Johnny Cash has got all of this, and he had the movie about him, like he's just more interesting. It's like, what has Hank Jr. done that would deserve a movie? <laughs> And I, and I said, My first off, God. do your research. I said, he's got a movie, and it's cheesy, and John Boy from the Walton played him, but that's neither here nor there. I said, secondly, he was born the son of the greatest country music legend of the time, so try living in those boots. I said, by the way, he fell off a fucking mountain. Yeah. Sorry for that, Mom. But I said, he fell off a mountain. He had an eyeball left. That's why he got, he got the beard and the sunglasses. I was like, read a book, Alicia. Wow. <laughs> And had to come, I mean, and had to come back from that. He could have sat home and never done a damn thing in his life except open the mailbox and been yeah. just fine and a hell of a lot better than all of us put together. No, he didn't do that. He I got ha- so fired up. He hired his own band. I get fired up too, man, and people don't realize. He ain't just this, you know, Monday night football guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a lot more than that. And he's nine overcome. albums on the chart in 81. And at the same time. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's not been done since. Uh, it's just, and if, and if they had the same kind of way of scanning music as they did when freaking Garth Brooks come along. Yeah. Hank would have been that. He would have been have all the records. Alabama would have been that too. They would have been because. So much of that crap in the eighties, it, it, it got lost, or it got you know the international uh, radio plays and the album sales was not accounted for. When SoundScan come along in the nineties, it digitally scanned everything with a barcode in Walmart and Circuit City and wherever the hell else they sold music. You know, I mean, it was tracked a lot better. The radio started doing it. Uh, where they their formats would, you know, have to report the correct numbers, and it probably still I'm sure it wasn't exact, right. but it's a hell of a lot closer, you know. I mean, David Bellamy of the Bellamy Brothers, he told me one time that they did a show over in some country somewhere else in a small little area, and he said we get we started singing. Uh, uh, either lovers live longer or kids of the baby boom. And he said, 
the crowd started singing them back to us. And he said, uh, we just was like, hey, we didn't even realize we've been promoted over here. Yeah. And he said, I started talking to some of the crowd after that. And they were like, oh, yeah. You know, you heard you on the radio. And and years later, come to find out, there was a lot of royalties that they missed out on internationally. Wow. And the same goes for everybody in the 70s and 80s. Same era, yeah. Oh, so yeah, Great. Hank Hank would have been as big as Garth Brooks became. And Garth had a good team, too. There's a lot of politics and stuff, you know, there that people won't ever understand or believe. Probably they'll think, ah, you just, you know, you don't like him. And, you you know, I mean, he's a talented guy. I'm not taking a talent away from him. He's got a business degree from Oklahoma State. And he's, I don't mind Garth Brooks. I mean, I don't mind him either. I love his early stuff. Alabama exactly, Clay. Yeah. I love that song. Larry Bastian that uh, wrote a bunch of songs for him and with him, including Rodeo and Unanswered Prayers. He's one of my good friends. Um, Garth you provided know, a life for that guy that he never would have got. You know, Garth's uh, early stuff was amazing. You know, he got. I mean, he just got. I don't know what happened to Garth, but I mean, you can't hardly argue with his late eighties, early nineties success. I mean, it just, it's, it's unreal. I'd, um, yeah. and you know, another, another guy that gets, takes a pounding, um, Kenny Chesney. Um, I don't mind early Kenny Chesney. You know, that was one of the first oh, times yeah. I remember get, getting in a, getting in a F-150 my buddy just bought. And us riding country dirt roads, listening to Kenny Chesney greatest hits, dude. I'll I'll admit it. People can make fun of me all I want. No man, I, the early stuff. That early the, Kenny Chesney. Uh, the early stuff was was good. It was it was actually country. I mean, it was authentic. You yeah. Know? Um. Same same for Tim McGraw. I mean, he had some early uh, good early songs. Um, but you know they they get wrapped up in these big deals, man, and money gets involved and. You know, that's that's what happens. Um, you know, you know who I'm into right now in your state, man. Uh, I, and people are mixed on this guy, but I'm a big Riley Green fan. Riley Green, yeah, he's been making some noise, man. And I tell you, Andrew, I wouldn't listen to him. My buddy's like, dude, you need to check out Riley Green. I said, never heard of him, and I googled him. And I said, no, I'm not listening to him. He's too pretty. I was like, he's a pop country singer. Just by looking at the guy because he's a good-looking dude. I'm no, 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 you know, just being silly. But I was like, no, nah, he's a pop country singer. Man, they put that record on for me that Grandpa's Never Die. And that's, that's a damn good song, Andrew. It is. It is a good song. I really do like that one. Um, I'm and, surprised they put it out, really, and pushed it. And, you know, they changed the lyrics on the radio mm. uh, when he says – um, wish they play country music on country radio. Mm-hmm. They changed it to I wish they still played George Jones on country radio. Mm, that's typical. And I of course, he's a, on the radio. He's a, we we saw him at Lynchburg Music Fest last year. He put on a he put on a dang good show, man. I'm I'm really into into his music, and he's I don't consider him pop country. I think he's got some really good stuff. Bury me and Dixie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he's borderline for some people, but I think he I think he means well as far as overall, you know. Yeah, Jake Owen's another one, man. He he's such a great singer, and 
he knows so much about country music. I mean, Merle Haggard, Vern Gosden. He could sit here with us and do this shit, you know. Um, he's not really, I don't think, allowed to do that because he's in a big deal with, I think, RCA or Sony or something. But I know that he he's a he's a a real dude and he you know he's a good singer and he yeah. had some early good good early songs if you go back and listen he's a good writer he's a he, i agree good voice you know distinctive voice um dude i found a guy i found a guy from kentucky i've been he just got his debut album this year uh cole cheney you listen to him any I hadn't heard his songs, but I I have heard of him. Yeah, he's he's playing a show for me down here in December, uh, December eleventh. We've got him coming down. He's got a, a song called Ill Will Creek. His album's called Mercy. Uh, Another Day in the Life is the one you need to check out, dude. He's he just turned twenty. I mean, he's a young dude. Wow, he's a real he's a real deal, man. You know, really, who, oh, man. you know who I like right now. Who's that? 49 winchester dude yeah man i mean uh, um, i'm a huge fan so cole just opened for them at the borough in lexington recently cool so it's the same kind of deal there what, what are they, who do they remind you of i don't know yeah they're right. they, they're they're to me they got my attention and they're they're in their own kind of genre sort of I agree. I mean, they're so tight as a band, and the singer's so good, and they're, they just, you can tell they're just doing it, you know, and they're, they're, I really am a big fan of theirs right now. I saw a video on uh, Instagram or Facebook, it was like an ad, they run an ad, promoted the post or something, I, that's the first thing I saw of them, it was like a live video, um, Man, I was hooked. I went and followed them, looked them up, and bought their stuff. I mean, they're really cool. We haven't even we haven't really talked about people listening, like how we even we met on uh, Twitter. Twitter I think. Yeah, over over a Shooter Jennings post. That's right. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I, thought I forgot really about that, that, but that is right. Uh, Sometimes you you get to knowing people and you don't even remember how they you trace back, but that yeah. was it. I think. Yeah, I think you're right because uh, we were talking about the greatest run and the the greatest run of albums from a single artist, like consecutively, one after another. And Shooter commented and said it was Hank Jr. You know, from uh, from uh, Hank Jr. and Friends all the way up through like uh, uh, like Man of Steel or Born a Boogie or something was the greatest run ever just one album after the other you know yeah so I, I was like i had always thought the same thing you know and i think you jumped in there too and we dm'd each other and then you told me you know you about the podcast uh, that is how we met yeah it's you just yeah i i knew it was something along those lines i knew it was twitter i knew it had something to do with shooter and hank jr but I, i'm glad you can remember that um well, I didn't until you rung my bell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, man, you know, Shooter, that's another guy. That's kind of the guy that we've met, you know, through. But, I mean, just his music as well. Uh, what's your favorite Shooter record? 
I really like put the O back. I like electric rodeo, and I yeah. like shooter. The last one, Dave, yeah, with Dave Cobb. I love it. I, I love. He played me, uh, Shades and Hughes about a year before the record was out. It was on. We were on the bus somewhere. Man, you got to listen to this song. I, I wrote this. I'm so proud of this. You know, and he played me that song. He said it reminds me of a Hank Junior thing, and uh, I was like. Oh, that's great, man. That's so good. And then he played me uh, uh, Bound to Get Down. And he said yeah. it sounded like Born to Boogie, but it was like at the end of it, the only thing I said is like, oh, yeah, I love it. I said, but at the end, you didn't do. You should have done the end, you know, like I was waiting to hear that at the end and I didn't do that. But yeah, I love that record. It's great. That, you know what I, that may be my favorite one of his. It was it was really good. I was hyped up reading the reviews on it. They're like reading the interviews he did prior to it just because um he had never really done that honky tonk record like that. He he, yeah. he told Dave Cobb, he's like, I want to do I want to do a nineteen eighties Hank Jr. record. And so I was fired up because what I respect about Shooter is just like what you said about Hank Jr. earlier, he could have just opened the mailbox. Oh yeah. You know, and he could have really just wrote off the Wayland name, and I mean, and Jesse as well. But, um, you know, that those first three country records, he never really even referenced Wayland. You know, he had the song "It Ain't Easy" where he said he talked about his dad. He never saw Wayland, of course, mm-hmm. or never said Wayland. Mm-hmm. But then he did, he did the uh, "Are You Ready for the Country" cover, kind of. But I mean, there was there was far and few references in between to Wayland, and then so he done the three country records. Then he put out Black Ribbons when man. Black Ribbons was like 10 years ahead of its time. It was, yeah. You know, and I didn't love Black Ribbons when it came out because I was a shooter country fan. Mm-hmm. And I put that on, and I was like, what the hell is this? But some of those songs really, really, Black Ribbons, all this could have been yours. Um, it's deep. Yeah. Some of those songs really, really uh, resonated with me. Actually, those are probably like two of my five favorite shooter songs. But then he kind of did his, you know, he kind of, Went through a patch there, and then when he met Colonel, you know, I think Colonel kind of reinvigorated Shooter. Oh yeah, and he man. put out the Family Man and the uh, Other Life record. Yeah, I just, I just love I just love that he's got the balls to just go out because you know he made the George Jones tribute. Done he done the uh, the disco. I was backstage with him at a, a Harley shop in Maryville, and I said, "Man, you had me the first three records, and you put out Black Ribbons, and you kind of lost me for a minute." And he's like, oh, yeah, you think that shit's dark? He's like, I'm doing a disco tribute with, and Manson's on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right now. And he played me, started to play me uh, part of that record um, back at the shed there in Maryville. Um, that was like two weeks before John died. I just, I mean, I just respect that guy so much. And now he's getting into the producer role. And he, I mean, he he made those, you know, won the Grammy with Brandy Carlisle, won the Grammy with Tanya Tucker. And he's. You know, Manson, that uh, album Manson's like one of the best-reviewed uh, albums of Manson in years, you know. Yeah. He, he's, but I just respect what he does. I do, too. I respect him. He's one of my good friends. He uh, He's such a champion for, you know, like you are, for independent artists that are he thinks has talent. And he likes yeah. all kinds of music, man. He did not get into country music um, until he was in his 20s. You know, yeah. he didn't. He was into Nirvana and 
the whole 90s Seattle 90. stuff, you know, uh, he was into all Nine that. Nails. Yeah, he was into all that. And, you know, he that's good music. I like that music, too. Um, it, it took a while to get into country for to understand it, you know, because it's story stuff. It's like real life. You have to kind of experience things, I feel like, to really let country music touch you. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah, and only in country, only in music, can the son of Waylon Jennings been positioned to sing on stage with Guns and Roses. Mm-hmm. You know, and is it? Didn't he have like a chance to be the singer for a Velvet Revolver or something? Ain't there a story yeah. about that, about something like that? Yeah, he had a, he had a shot at it, and uh, yeah, you know, he worked with Duff. He did a solo record yeah. on Duff McKagan. I mean, he, I mean, he's worked with he's worked with Bolin. Uh, yeah. God dang, man. I mean, he's done Lucas so much. I just, did he do some stuff with Lucas too? Yeah. yeah. He's uh he's one of a kind, really, man. And he mentioned me in a billboard article when he put that record out and shooter that shooter record. Uh, I remember seeing that, man. It was big. That was cool for him to do that. He's mentioned me a few times and stuff. And uh we don't talk every day or nothing like that. You know, we kind of text here and there and talk about cryptocurrency sometimes and <laughs> bitcoin dogecoin well, yeah. and stuff that's but, another that's another conversation right there i'd imagine but oh yeah uh, you know one of my favorite shows i ever saw of him and you know it sucks dude and because i've referenced this show many times on one lane road podcast but um had i known when i was about to watch i would have not drank so much prior to the show but it was at an actual greenhouse in nashville i think i probably told you about this um, it was Waylon Jennings' 75th, what, what would have been his 75th birthday bash at an actual greenhouse, man. There was like a little bar that run in the middle of the, uh, of the place. And there was a, a stage in the corner, like a small ass stage mm-hmm. and nobody was announced. It just said, and friends. So like the immediate disappointment because the CMT awards were airing downtown that night. And Willie Nelson and Hank Jr. were on the awards that night. And I thought, holy shit, it's a Whalen birthday bash. We're going to get Hank Jr. and Willie coming over here. It's going to be wild. You know, it's going to be just, you're going to yeah. see these guys in a little bitty venue. Yeah. And they didn't come. But that was the first night I ever heard uh, Whitey Morgan, Justin Wells, and some guy named Sturgill Simpson. Mm. That was a, fir- a full one year before High Top Mountain came out. Mm. and jamie was there as well jamie johnson was there and and i don't remember much about um the show we got there way early we sat there at a bar and drank the whole time uh it's still one of the big, biggest ribs in history a buddy of mine's like i'm gonna go broke sitting here he's like watch this and it's still the shittiest prank anybody's ever pulled on somebody but he heard a guy at the bar say his name was i'll say you know um uh, Pope, and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, just give me four Jaeger bombs and four Bud Lights, put it on Pope." <laughs> so my buddy ordered whiskey and beer <laughs> and shots on this poor dude's tab all night long, <laughs> and he never got caught. We got hammered on old Pope's account uh, oh, on his man. tab. But yeah, shooter got up there and's like, "Man, this is for my dad." Where all these guys have learned Waylon music or been influenced by Waylon, and uh, Justin Wells was up there with Fifth on the Floor still. Uh, Leroy Virgil was there that night. Um, Cheater's old guitar player mm-hmm. and uh, crazy ass. And then I remember Whitey Morgan. It's still on YouTube somewhere. He he put uh, 
he done his uh, his um his version of Bob Wills is still the king. Then Waylon is still the king, mm. which is really cool. And then uh, then Sturgill come up there, man. And I just I just remember looking, going, "Holy shit!" Yeah, this guy's got it. You know, man, like, uh, he's super talented. Huge fan. That was a free show. Mm. To see that show 2012 for free would you know that's quite a but bill. It, but I mean, Shooter is always ready to put people over, like you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah, he's always wanting to help out and to get those names out there. Yeah, he introduced Sturgill to Dave Cobb way before anybody knew who either one of them were. Yeah, he Shooter is like the matchmaker, sort of. I mean, really, for artists and for producers to work with artists and stuff like that, he he's kind of hooked a lot of stuff up. He don't talk about it because he don't brag on himself. You know, he has no ego. He's very humble. He's uh, a great dude. I love him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's he's top notch, man. He's he's one of the guys I've been listening to for going on almost 20 years now. It's crazy. And you come down to Huntsville, a show that we did, uh, Them Dirty Roses and Me and Shooter. And yeah, that was a hell of a show. That was fun, man. Where was that? Was it uh, side? side? What's the name of the place? Sidetrack or not sidetrack? Sidetrack. Uh, side I think that's it. It is it. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. it is. They've changed the name a few times, but uh, man, that was fun. That's a There's good a lot crowd. of good acts that go. I see come through that little place, but that's just when uh, Shooter had released, wasn't it? The last album mm. he just released it. Yeah, I think so. Man, that was a fun night. We ended up. Ended up staying out a little too long in Huntsville that night. It seemed like me and my buddy we we didn't we didn't go home after that. Uh oh, where'd you go? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't have no idea. It's the only time I've been to Huntsville in my life. As long as you wasn't driving, it's all right, I guess. <laughs> Why? Well, I wasn't driving. Somebody. <laughs> but uh, no, that was you. Yeah, that was right. That was not long after um, the show you played for me down here. Yeah, it was around the same time. Yeah, a month or two apart there. And, yeah, man, I just I just admire that dude. I'm I'm glad you guys are buddies and yeah. uh, hope to see you guys link up. You know, I'd I'd love to be at the National Palace that night when you're up there. Oh, that was, there's yeah. video. There's video of it. There's video on YouTube, I think, isn't there? Uh, I don't know if there's video of that one. There, there's video of one we did the pressures on. Okay. Oh, uh, we sang it. I can't remember where that was at. Um, there's that video. That's the only one I know of. Okay, maybe I'm thinking about the wrong one, but um, I thought about doing like a little acoustic album. You know, some people have said they wanted to hear something new, and truth is, I ain't got, I can't afford it right now. It's expensive to make a record, but you know, I could, I could sit here and do it at my house. I think I got you covered, man. I've got a buddy down here. It's got a recording studio, and uh, there's some, there's some uh, Jason Evans and James Reed. A lot of those guys from the uh, I think it's called Green River Records. They come down and do records with uh, my buddy at Stillhouse Recording Studio all the time. Yeah, it's fine. The studio ain't the problem, really. I, there's a lot of studios around here that I could, but you know, I've kind of got a, I've got a little setup here, and I thought, man, I could, I could probably do this. You know, I wrote a little, I wrote a lot of uh, little goofy songs during COVID, and um, I don't know. I just thought, man, it'd be kind of different, kind of fun, and and I. You know, I can't really promote it any, but I know that people on social media could help me promote it. 
Dude, um, that's that's all it takes anymore. Look at what all these guys are doing. Social media has got such a oh yeah, such a presence, man. If you just get it cut, you got a following out there. Yeah, it's you know people still uh, people still say you know they like this song of mine or that one or this show they remember whatever uh, it means a lot. And I've not really been out there a lot here lately, especially since COVID. Um, you kind of forget, forgotten about in six months or a year if you don't keep putting stuff out. I've never been one to just put something out for the sake of, oh, here's something new. You know, right. like I feel I need to feel it. But I wrote these songs, and I don't know, I've just kind of had a, a hankering to, to do it, you know, just to put it out and not even do cds or nothing just put it on itunes let people go download it spotify yeah. you know and let them steal it on spotify pretty much that last that last record man was so good i mean i just um sorry i'm down to battery there but um yeah that that last record i mean i've still got people texting me their favorite songs off that you know when your show and we need to get together again and do a show um yeah i'm ready just holler at me whenever, man, and we'll make something work. It's just crazy because people are like people are tagging me in posts now, and I'm not like a promoter. And you know, the thing is about down here is there's no true venues, and I've been on like the county over here because I mean, look, I was very grateful to use the building that I used down here for like the shows we did. But like Jason came into the show, and he's like, "Wait, where's my green room, man?" I was like, "Ah, the green room per se is back here," you know, and. The, actually, the place, the county over, uh, the where I just had Chris Knight at. Now, it's not probably the nicest place Chris has ever played, but, man, it's got a really sweet setup. And that's, where, that's where I'm thinking about having Cole at in December and seeing what the lineup look, like that looks like. And um, It's just about finding a venue, man, just having a passion to do this. And like I said, I, I'm not in it to do – I, and I told Jason and Courtney that, just like I told you. I was like, man, the crowd will more than make up for wherever we're going to play at. Yeah. And I'm just hoping there's some money circulating in these counties that, that something will, will turn over in the next couple of years where we can have a nice little venue here because people people want to do that. And like I said, not everybody wants to drive to Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, yeah, uh, Kentucky. Um, it's just, you know, we got to have something here if I'm going to keep trying to bring in names. And that was that was part of the problem for me and Ward. You know, I mean, I'm, I would talk to Ward and I would talk to his record label and they were always nice. But I told Ward, I was like, shit, man, you live 15 minutes. Let's do a show. Yeah. And he ended up playing the bull and thistle here that night. But I was like, that was the only hold up about me and him having a show. We just we just didn't have a place to have it. Yeah. And when you're with a booking agency, too, you know, they kind of make a lot of that that call. They do. It's kind of out of his hands. Uh that kind of thing, but um, I'm glad you're doing it, man. And you know, uh, I'm glad y'all are still doing the podcast. It's the One Lane Road podcast. Y'all need to go subscribe to it and download, especially download our episode, man, because uh, it's probably about like this one here with, with a little more wrestling talk, I guess. Well, yeah, and Hank Jr. Pretty much the same stuff. <laughs> That's all we know. It's all we know to talk about, y'all. I, I, you know, who's your who was your favorite wrestler growing up? Oh, God. Is it Flair? Uh, Flair was good. Randy Savage. I loved um, Hulk, of course. I mean, that's the time for Hulkamania. 
Uh, yeah. Scott Hall, probably. I love Scott Hall so damn much. Man, he's just uh, he he encompasses everything about it to me. Like he could, if he, if he had the means, he could run his own thing. He could be Tony Khan if he had the if he just had the means to do it. He's brilliant. You know, if we we got together and watched All Out, and it's the first time in probably twenty years I've watched pay per view. Well, not twenty years, ten years probably that I've watched a pay per view with friends, and they're like. My friends were like, I just think they're spending too much money. You know, they're going to catch him. I was like, he's worth double what Vince McMahon's worth, by the way. <laughs> you know, he's worth $8 million or $1 billion. billion yeah. you, know? Um, you know, so did, did I ever tell you my Hulk Hogan story, how I met Hulk? You have, but but tell it on oh. here. Where they, that's a cool story. It's just a random story, more or less. So we, we vacation, used to vacation in uh, Tampa, Clearwater. No, Tampa and uh, St. Petersburg. So his beach shop is in Clearwater. So every year we would go down there hoping just to run into the Hulkster, you know. And one morning I didn't look at the when they opened and got there way early and nothing was open on the little street, Mandalay Bay down there. So we went ate breakfast. Me and my oldest son, he was in seventh, eighth grade at the time, I guess. Um, just turned 15 this week. And name Wayland, by the way. Um, so, uh, he was like he was a quarterback for the middle school team, so he's like getting into working out or whatever. So we ate breakfast, and still the 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 uh, beach shop hadn't opened yet. So Bushwhacker Luke owns a damn gym right above the beach shop, you know. And everybody remembers the Bushwhackers; it's a wrestling fan. So we went up there and worked out. And the trainer, the personal trainer, comes up and he's like, "Hey, man, uh, you're not regulars here." And I was like, "Yeah, how can you tell? You know, we had Tennessee <laughs> Titans and ball stuff on and." He's like from Tennessee. And I said, yeah. And I was like, man, every year we vacation in here, we'll visit the beach shop and just hope that uh, we can just hope that we'll run into the Hulkster, you know, just that's, that's my guy from childhood. And he goes, hold on a minute. He goes, yells at this guy across the room and he's uh he's Hulk's workout partner. So you may introduce me. He's like, this is Dustin from Tennessee. Um, when's Terry going to be here? <laughs> and the guy was like, that son of a bitch is running late already. He's already supposed to be here. And uh, he's like, here's his deal. He goes pounds Miller Lights all weekend in Orlando and comes back, works out like a madman, <laughs> you know, through the week or, you know, through the week. And he's like, just go work out. He'll be here in a few minutes. And I'll introduce you. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, you know. So we go back to working out, doing some curls. And by this time, my son's arm is about to fall off. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and i was like hey man we, we, we've made it this far this is about dumb luck i was like just keep working out and i'm going to get a drink from water fountain and hulk comes in the door duffel bag and i'm you know i'm like i'm not i don't bother him because i know they're about to make the introduction so he goes drops his bag comes back out dude gives me a whistle and he's like hey uh come back over he's like hey terry this is dustin his son waylon they're from uh from tennessee first sentence out of his mouth Oh, what part of Tennessee, brother? <laughs> Hit me with a brother right off the bat, you know. And I was like, man, a little college town. You probably don't know anything about it. Um, Cookville, you know. Mm-hmm. I said, between Nashville and Knoxville. Oh, brother, I know exactly where uh, Cookville's at. He's like, when I started in the 70s, brother, I worked for the Jarrett's and the Goulises. We had a we had a loop, brother. We hit Memphis, Nashville, Lebanon, and Cookville. Mm. He said, Cookville was a dry town, so we had to drive about 30 minutes up the road to get beer after the show. <laughs> Cool and moment. I just thought, I mean, like, this man has been all over the world for 40 years. Yeah. You know, and he remembers Cookville from damn 19, what, 77, probably. Hmm. 
Yeah. It's uh, what a cool moment that is. Uh, I mean, it's Hulk Hogan. And, and we took a picture with him, Andrew. We wasn't there five minutes with him, so I didn't want to bother him. And yeah. So I called my friend Don, my wrestling nerd friend, and um, I was like, dude, I just met Hulk, you know, completely dumb luck and all this. And he goes, oh, yeah, what y'all talk about? And I said, um, well, Cookville. Mm-hmm. He said, of all the damn things you could have talked about Hulk Hogan <laughs> with, Andre the Giant, The Rock. He said, you talk about Cookville, Tennessee. But, um, you know, just where the conversation went, man. I didn't want to, you know, kill his time forever. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I was telling you, man, Danny went to AEW a couple of years ago. Well, we, uh, Dustin, Ronalds, Rhodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he invited us. And so we were we were in the back right before the show started. And he was back there. And Arn Anderson walks up. And he's just kind of standing there, and I'm thinking in my head, holy shit, that's Arn Anderson. It's an enforcer right over there. You know, I love that guy. One of the most underrated wrestlers of all time, I feel like. Absolutely. Uh, Dustin's like, hey, Arn, come here, man. He's like, meet my buddy Andrew. He's a singer-songwriter, you know, from Alabama. And Arn's like, oh, man, nice to meet you. What, What part of Alabama are you from? I started telling him, you know, uh, Geraldine, a little town called Geraldine. It's in DeKalb County, close to Fort Payne. Oh, man, me and Wyndham and Flair, man, we used to ride our bikes up to Little River Canyon up in there and when we wanted to just kind of get away. And, uh, you know, you're casually talking, and he took a picture with me. We were doing the, you know, got of course. That. And he, uh, he you ever need anything, man, let me know. Just let me know, man. And good to meet you, you know. About 10 minutes was talking. Just acted like it wasn't nobody. It, of course, it was just me and him talking. And Dana was talking to Dustin over here. And, uh, man, it was uh, it was cool because, it, you know, I, I would have never known that. Like, how would y'all find Little River Canyon? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. kind of out of the way, <laughs> especially in the 70s and 80s. But uh, he knew exactly where Fort Payne was and. Yeah, you know, these guys have been all over the world. The territory days, I mean, uh, uh, you rode the roads is all you did. Exactly. Man. You just don't think about them knowing, seeing all. I mean, when I travel, even when I, I'm just Google Maps, you don't even think about what you see. And <laughs> no. just, it just amazes me that they remembered it all these years later. Yeah. You go through so many small towns when you're on the road. And yeah. there's no way you can remember them all. But maybe something special happened. You know, I mean, who, who knows? Why our brains. Or the way they are, they're they're tricky, really. Uh, and there there was something about Cookville and being a dry town because a lot of people don't know it. Kevin Nash, his story has been pretty well documented about him. He he did play like one year college basketball at University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. the The lesser known part of that is he smacked the coach in Knoxville and got kicked off the team. He came to Tennessee Tech in Cookville and played. I don't know if he played basketball, but he went to school there. Oh, I didn't know that. So when I met him for the first time, I said, man, I said, is it true you went to school at Tennessee Tech? He said, yeah, when I smacked the coach, he said, I had to have somewhere to go. And I went to Cookville for a semester, maybe a full year. I can't remember what, what you said. He said, the only thing I remember about that place, it was a dry county. <laughs> and, and he said, years later, Scott and I were traveling. I don't think remember if he said Knoxville to Nashville or vice versa. He said, but I saw the road sign for Cookville. I was like, oh, I'm going to stop. He said, of course, we got beer because, you know, I was shocked they had beer. 
<laughs> so, so I told Hogan that when we met him, I was like, oh, man, that's the same thing Kevin Nash said a few years ago about Cookville being a dry county so or town. So it's just, it's wild, man. There's little, t- little stuff like that, you know. The opportunity that I had to meet, Hulk, I'm, hopefully I'll have another one. Uh, I couldn't go. It was when they were Hulk and Scott and Kevin was doing the thing in in Florida. Like it was the when the NWO after they went in the Hall of Fame, they yeah. were, they were doing some kind of thing. I don't know if it was a Q and A thing or whatever. Eric was there, Jimmy Hart was there. I got invited by Jimmy Hart to come down and hang out, right. but the, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't make it. So there was my ch- shot, and that'd have been a damn good one, I would think. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's what it is. Uh, the, the the one regret I have about a pro wrestler, I did meet him, but I didn't get to do what I sh- – Ric Flair in Rome, Georgia. That's where I was going to circle back around with Rome, Georgia. He was at a – they have this little thing called Superstars of Wrestling Fan Fest. And my buddy Chad Flat owns Music City Toys and Collectibles out of Watertown, Tennessee, and he was doing the convention scene. And so a lot of the vendors got to go back and meet Flair first. And I said, hey, man, where's the, uh, where's the after party of the after party tonight? I want to drink one with an H. He said, well, shit, where's the after party? And I said, well, they've got you advertised. I reckon it's some cigar bar. And he said, brother, they just point me and pay me. As long as they're paying me, I'll go anywhere. And I said, well, we'll be breaking down merchandise and all this from the vendor booth. I said, but hell, man, I'd love to get together with you and have a beer. And uh, he goes, brother, you find me. At this, I've heard of there's a steakhouse right over here. He said, you find me. He said, we'll drink Miller Lite and red wine all night long. And he gave me a woo. <laughs> <laughs> At like 11 a.m. on a Saturday, I was like, I love this guy. This is the nature boy. Yeah, that's and, what you'd expect. And we didn't go, man. I asked my buddy afterwards. I said, man, you want to go chase the nace down to have that drink? He's like, man, I just, of course, he was there for business. Yeah. Of course. And he's like, man, I just want to, you know, wind down and see how my booth's done today. And to this day, I was like, damn. I should have went and drank with the nature and raised a little hell, you know. I mean, that'd been a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, I count that up. shit and get over and eat a steak and drink some Miller Lite, <laughs> you know. I got to bring your name up recently. I've I've asked all these guys every time I've met these guys. I met Bischoff and he and he he was an Andrew Pope. You know, I said, hey man, I said my buddy Andrew Pope. Want me to tell you hello? He's a man. Andrew's a terrific kid, you know. And he puts you over and. Not too long ago, my buddy uh, my, like Chad, the same guy with the booth, he's got a, a toy shop. He had gallows over there. Oh yeah. And I had a Jink shirt on, and he's like, "Man, I got that same Jink shirt." And I said, "I believe we share uh, an Andrew Pope shirt as well." He's like, "Oh man, that's a good." I mean, I love his music. You know, he said he sent me some stuff. He sent me that shirt. He's like, "Dude, he's he, he's uh, he's a talented dude, man." Yeah, Luke Gallows, man, he's a big guy. He's a cool he's a guy. Funny dude, man. Yeah, he is. He's funny and uh, very talented. Uh, good guy. I feel weird, you know, getting them have kind of met, you know, some of it. I it's weird because I met them in a way where they're a fan of mine and I'm a fan of theirs, but I'm like a much bigger fan of theirs. I feel like. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's it's. I don't know. I mean, to have people that you grew up with as your heroes on TV or radio or whatever that it like your stuff and what you're doing that you came up with. That's a weird place to be in. 
I think I think the best example of that is I mean you got the picture with Mick Foley at the Wobble House. Oh man, he was he was talking about what song was it that he loved the most about yours? Mm. Whis- um, yeah, whiskey gets me there. He sent me a text yeah. one morning. We had had a, a barbecue at Martin's Barbecue in Nashville. Yeah, uh, he was doing a show at Zany's, and I was doing the Nashville Palace show that night. He was going to come over afterwards, but uh, some people was hanging around in the green room, and he said he didn't get to make it. But uh, he's like, hey, you got a CD or anything, man? You know, put in the car. He had a rental car. I gave him one. I think I gave him a shirt, too. He gave me some stuff. And he texted me about two weeks later. He said, Whiskey Gets Me There is the probably the best, saddest song I've ever heard. Just out of nowhere. I was like, well, that was nice of him to say. It's kind of cool, you know. Freaking Mick Foley. And yeah. every time he comes around, I mean, we get together. He lets me know he's in town. We get together at a Waffle House or something, you know. <laughs> he, he's he's awesome. He's he's such a good dude that that's helped so many people. Um, good heart, really good hearted guy. I feel like he's doing another one of those shows at Zany's this this year. He may be. He's working yeah. like crazy. I mean, working like crazy. I think he told me uh, September he's only got like five days off or something. Jeez, that's so random about him. The first time I saw him there was like in 2013. So when I saw um, the first communication I ever had with John Hensley, Colonel Hensley, was after a shooter played CMA Fest in 2014. Uh, Justin Wells took me back over to Riverfront Tavern. And it was like Shooter and Misty and uh, Jesse Coulter, mm. uh, Billy, Billy Don Burns, just the whole group of them. Yeah. And so I asked Colonel, I said, man, this is really random. You're going to think I'm a freaking weirdo for asking. I was like, were you at Mick Foley's stand-up at Zany's last year? And he's like, how do you know that? And I was like, well, dude, you're like 6'2 with an afro and you're white. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, you ain't going like to mess John Hensley. <laughs> you stand out, brother. And he's like, yeah. And we so he's like, come here. So Shooter and everybody else sit over here. Me and him sidebar at the bar and we're taking Jaeger bombs. <laughs> and we're, tell, we're telling wrestling stories. We're like me and you sitting here. And me and Colonel Hensley are just sitting there like, well, I met Ric Flair at WrestleMania. And, you know, they got to be in friends with Curtis Axel, you know, Joe, uh, Joe Henning. Yeah. And I guess I forget if it was Josh Green. I can't remember who it was that uh, that Colonel was talking about. And they took a picture. They asked to take a picture with Flair. So Flair just cuts his freaking skeeting, uh, scathing, scathing promo, promo on him. Right there at the fucking WrestleMania after party. <laughs> and he's like, dude, he's got me in tears. The colonel's telling me, he's like, dude, Ric Flair's got me like in tears. Like he's hurt my feelings so bad because he's cussed me out. <laughs> and I, because you're not supposed to, you know, take a picture at the WrestleMania after party if you're not a wrestler or whatever. And I was like, well, dude, Ric Flair cut a promo on you, though. You know what I'm saying? Like that that's a better story. And. And I told him my story, the one I just told you, he's like, yeah, but yours went so much better. I was like, I met Ric Flair. You met the nature boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> you met him at 11 p.m. I met him at 11 a.m. Exactly. I'm glad so, he's doing better, man. I'm glad he's doing good, you know, health-wise. He's going to be up here at um, Franklin, Tennessee uh, next weekend. They're doing like an autograph show up there and stuff. He's doing some appearances. One of a kind. Oh, so, uh, there's... I don't know if you saw that TikTok I done. I'm too old to be on TikTok, but I done that Ric Flair voiceover. 
Yeah, I did see that, I think. <laughs> I'm on there, too. It, you know, I thought that for a while. I thought, too old for this crap. I got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I got all of them. I don't want to add another one. But I started using it because me and my wife send funny videos all the time. You yeah, know, same I'll, here. Like, I'll check, I'll check TikTok one day randomly, and there'll be 45 direct messages and she shared all these videos and i do the same thing you know and then we're like, hey yeah. did you see that tiktok i see so i thought well hell, yeah. why not utilize it you know so i get it i mean it's it, i like it it's fun too, man. me and ward yeah. was talking about it and ward's on there too now i think but we was talking about it too like you know nah i ain't going there but yeah, yeah it, it ain't I see him change direction because when we had him on one lane road, he was like, I'm not doing that shit. Like, what do you want me to do? Dance? Yeah. But he's changed his tone on he it did. too. Like he does updates. But the funniest thing that recently I've done, like I did a stitch. It was like girl built like a, I mean, she's built, man. Like cut off blue jean shorts, cowboy hat. There's like a new trend on there where people's dancing to Neon Moon by Brooks and Dunn, right? Yeah, and it's that remix thing. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible but like, she's like the hottest one i've seen so i stitched it because i knew it'd get a lot of views if you use it so i was like my entire life brand new man was my favorite brooks and dunn song i said after i've seen this video neon moon is without a shadow of a doubt my favorite brooks and dunn song dude i've got so many views and likes on this thing and it's the comments because people aren't realizing that i'm the dumbass stitching it yeah and they're just seeing this really hot girl so my comment section is blown up going, hey, gorgeous. Hey, oh, girl. I got you. Oh, oh, my God. Beautiful. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude. <laughs> oh, man. It's a, ch- it's a chubby 37-year-old on their side stitching this thing. You're not talking to the girl who made the video. Yeah. it's People are weirdos. Oh, yeah. All kinds of kinds. That's for sure. Man, we could, we could talk for hours, but, you know, your wife's going to kill you and mine is too, so. Uh, yeah let's get out of here I'm, but one lane road podcast though for sure and if any of y'all want tickets tell the date and the deal there yeah north springs music festival it's in whitleyville tennessee as i said it's halfway between nashville and knoxville um 35 dollar tickets on eventbrite.com october 23rd um alex williams julie roberts logan halstead uh, rye davis addison johnson Smokey nice mike demeza and caleb and leanne so give me a hell of a time like here like I said out here in the middle of a middle of a field in uh Tennessee, man, you can't go wrong. It's a, it's a hell of a time. And Andrew was there last year, gonna be back another with it with us again, hopefully in the in the future. Yeah, man. That was fun. Well good to so, talk to you again, man. Appreciate you coming on and appreciate you having me on your on your podcast a couple of times and um uh, hiring me appreciate that that's always good like i said the only show i did last year was yours so yeah well we're going we're going to do some stuff together again and i appreciate you having me it means the world i was oh yeah glad to, ke- glad to catch up with you like i said uh you may have to put a hell of a description on this one to <laughs> to uh, sexy it up a little bit because i can't hang with uh all these musicians and wrestlers you've had on here but i've had a hell of a time sitting here drinking these uh miller lights yeah but uh <laughs> time getting here with the kids now i guess but uh yeah i appreciate you man it's good to good to catch up yes sir and y'all tune in for the next episode because we've got gary portnoy y'all don't know who he is he wrote the one of the most famous songs in the world where everybody knows your name 
And he also is the singer on the Cheers theme song. He plays piano, and he's the he's the artist on there. But he wrote it, co-wrote it, also. Um, so do not miss that episode. He don't do a lot of interviews. I'm honored to get to talk to him. Um, don't miss that one. And I appreciate y'all tuning in to Picking It Out once again, and we'll see you next time.